Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon boys 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 i love bringing people together uh, look clark kent meet mr bruce wayne uh, mr bruce wayne here meet mr clark kent of the daily planet <laughs> yes we were getting acquainted nice to meet you oh wow that is a very strong grip there he is very very muscular have you noticed his muscular body <laughs> uh bruce i really gotta say he's very very well toned under that suit i can see it myself and you uh are also very muscular did you notice that mr kent they are both very muscular people you would think that they might be good fighters <laughs> you should not get in a fight with this person <laughs> i'm just a normal guy that worked on the farm. That's it. So there you go about me. About this guy, I don't know. You do look like you uh, you do CrossFit or something. Well, it's because I like girls, so it helps. <laughs> He's very masculine. Very masculine man. Mask. Masculine. Can you hear me, Clark? Mask. Can you believe that? He's very masculine. <laughs> I think he heard you the first time about mass huh that is interesting you know now that you mention it there might be something going on there lex you are kind of the smart guy i don't know what he's talking about oh, well i you know i did think it was quite odd that clark you did not know who bruce wayne was you know he is a celebrity and gotham city is right across <laughs> the street from metropolis are you some kind of alien or something huh clark are you some sort of Alien? Not from this planet? <laughs> How dare you call people from the countryside aliens? I might not be as sophisticated as you city folk, but we just don't have word of Gotham billionaires make it all the way to Kansas. Lex does seem to be right, though. That is a little strange. And also, you seem kind of familiar once I look past the glasses. Oh, oh, oh. You see that? I just have one of those faces. Your face, however, if I cover up half of it, it really, there's just something going on there. Huh? Oh, oh, you see that? Huh? I'm starting to put it together. Huh? Huh? Oh, now, uh, Clark, did you know that 
Bruce actually liked to partake in many nocturnal activities, uh, much like a nocturnal mammal. Uh, I'm trying to think right now, maybe he's a fan of certain sports to do with balls. Can you believe that, Clark? Uh, maybe something with a bat. Uh, nocturnal activities, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So you're saying he's Batman. Hey, hey, I, I didn't say that. You put those words in my mouth, Clark. I never said such a thing. Ha. <laughs> and you're saying he's Superman. Totally not true. Have you seen these glasses? Clark, let's face it. You're just Superman wearing glasses. So let's somehow... Superman does not wear glasses. So there you go. Here, let, let me put the... There's not even any prescription in these. Come on, Clark. To this is just... It's a weak prescription, but I need them to read, and I like to read my phone all the time. And so I just keep him on. Clark. There's explanation right there, fellas. Hold on a second. He's gone. Usually I do that. Yeah, that's weird. I was looking at your pecs, and then all of a sudden I turn around and he's gone. And uh, there is a jar of pee just, just right there. And was he peeing the whole time he was talking to us? It appears to be his calling card. Calling who, though? I mean, this is just... It's just fucking weird. It doesn't make any sense in any story, really. I mean... If you think about it, it's a pretty bad calling card. I mean, it's pretty easy to identify DNA from this if I take this to the Batcave. I mean, call me... Call call me via my piss? When I pee, I want you to call me? This makes no sense. Well, Lex likes to think that he's more intellectual than most people, so maybe he's just doing this to distract us from the fact that... His pee is smarter than the rest of us or something? Maybe that's what he thinks. This is dumb. Anyways, you want to team up and just take Lex Luthor down and just grab a coffee? Sounds great. I think he's uh, not far because I can kind of see him right now. So We'll follow the droplets of urine, Clark. I'm going to take this urine and pour it on him. I was just going to brand him, but sure, you can do that. HD strikes again. <laughs> Welcome back to the discussion on the most controversial superhero movie of all time, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. It is us at Superhero Stuff You Should Know, brought to you by Superhouse with BVS Snyder vs. Critics. So, it is I, the man who knows too much about Batman, wearing my Batfleck outfit, and with me are... Hey everybody, it's Andrew. What's going on? I don't have like a crazy intro this time around, but <laughs> greetings, y'all. And uh, joining us again is our guest host, Zach Brown. Yep, it's me. It's Zach. I'm back again, ready to smile and nod and <laughs> approve of what you both said. <laughs> exactly why we bring him here. You do, we, need a, we need a hype man. He's a hype, he's a hype man. <laughs> so our favorite hype man is here, and we are going to continue our discussion with BVS, so for those who don't know, we have been doing our whole series from Man of Steel onto this moment, where we cover the sort of popular fan criticisms of the Zack Snyder movies, go into Snyder's intentions as brought to us by commentary, Vero posts, interviews, all of the like, and then after examining both, side go with which one we side with on there, whether it's critics or with Snyder. For now, it's Snyder 5, critics 12, but I'm going to add a few things in here. We w may give automatic points for things that we really, really like on here. Things Is that... anybody big not Snyder-related on Vero? <laughs> I don't think so. Is there a single soul? 
Like, I thought it's the Snyder Facebook I did not basically. know what Vero was until he was on there talking. He's the only him. one talking about it. But he's still on there. It's still a big yeah. thing. It's, uh, it's, his, it's his thing, really. That's the place yeah. to go to to talk about it. It's fine, so, but it's mm-hmm. I don't know why he doesn't like other... I don't know. I, I don't know. Whatever. He's got his own reasons. Oh, well. I still don't know what Vero is. <laughs> it's like an Instagram, but it's its its own deal. You know, it's its a, its like an Instagram social media service. And it's partially why we yeah. got the, the Snyder Cut. It, he showed a whole bunch of previews of the stuff that he had in mind for Justice League, and now we're getting the cut in March. So, as I said before, we got Snyder 5, Critics 12, but don't think that's going to be a landslide. There's still plenty for us to go into because we left off with the Senate explosion last time. Uh, we'll go a little bit more into it, but first I want to do a quick sort of corrections department as well as addressing some stuff that came up last time. So uh, you guys were right. Bruce Wayne is in Metropolis, not in Gotham in the beginning of this when he is trying to help out and he jumps off the helicopter and tries to help out over there, which means the fight in Man of Steel is still in Metropolis. I know I said in the Man of Steel thing, you know, it's partially in Gotham. It's not. It's just confusing because Snyder came up with the idea of Metropolis and Gotham both sort of being next to each other. They've never been that close before, right, in the comics? I don't think so. Like, Bruce has to take a plane to get to Metropolis in the world's finest uh, three-parter in the uh, DCAU. It's generally like Gotham is maybe somewhere in New Jersey. Yeah. But it's still like at least an hour drive from Metropolis. Whereas Metropolis, I think, is supposed to be Cleveland. Cleveland? Uh, Really? Based off of where Siegel and Schuster grew up in. I've also heard Vancouver because he was one of them was born in Vancouver. Do you know that? Right, but then you go into is is Metropolis in Canada? Then no, it's not in Canada, but it's <laughs> okay. well, not, not geographic location, but overall look and vibe. Oh, I, see. I guess I see. there was some mm-hmm. sort of influence on Metropolis from Vancouver because gotcha. he was born there. People in Canada have a Superman coin. Canada claims Superman to a ah. certain to a certain degree because of this fact. So he's not a Christian American. He's a Jewish Canadian. Is what yes, that's me. that is correct. Yes. Yeah. All the things we <laughs> learn here on, on stuff you should know. <laughs> yes. What if Jewish Red Canadian. Sun was Canadian Superman instead of Russian <laughs> Superman? It's the same thing, but he ends every S- sentence in a. Superman, <laughs> Maple Leaf. Can we that's teach right, soon from Mark Miller? <laughs> he loves <laughs> hockey instead of football. <laughs> we might need Kooky Noms to come in for this one. I know, right? Jonathan Kinsley, you can't show off at the hockey rink. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, another thing that I've seen is discussion on on the first part we talked about how, like, maybe it should have been Lucius instead of Jack O'Dwyer. Uh, and, but also saying that we didn't like how Jimmy Olsen was killed off. Some fans have brought up that this is hypocritical because we wanted... It's Morgan, not necessarily- Freeman's, it's Morgan Freeman's Lucius saying, this is wrong. This and then he gets wrong. blown up. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, I, I'm staying here. Uh, so, <laughs> leaving this building. I, I'm going to get busy dying. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Lucius! So, uh, I think this is. Okay, so I'm seeing this online. This is before we actually launch the episode. So, I do not know yet if people in the comment section are going to go after us for being hypocritical and saying that. Lucius should have died in the tower, but they shouldn't have killed Jimmy Olsen this way. This is false equivalency in my mind because there's a reason why we said both. 
we said Lucius should have been there instead of Jack because Lucius is a well-known character connected to Wayne Enterprises, a beloved character from the Dark Knight trilogy. So it would make the necessary emotional impact on us as much as on Bruce while watching that because we know who that is. Similar thing to if they ever killed Alfred. Even if you met that version of Alfred for like five seconds, it wouldn't have as much impact as if he was in five movies, but you would still have some impact because you know who that character is supposed to be. Right. That's why that works. For the Jimmy Olsen... The CIA agent does not have to be Jimmy Olsen. Lucius Fox, we think it's natural because he's connected to Wayne Enterprises, but the CIA agent could be anybody going undercover. In the theatrical version, we just thought he was some random dude who got shot and was a, just a bad CIA agent. He could be anybody. Also, right. Superman and Lois have no relationship to him whatsoever. There's no emotional impact to his death, and there's not supposed to be an emotional impact to his death on either Superman or Lois. Superman doesn't even meet him. Okay. This. So I'm saying I'm calling false equivalency on people calling that out. That is why I think Lucius dying in the tower would have worked better. But then I also said in that episode that doesn't necessarily have to be Lucius. What you just need is planting that guy at the funeral so that we know that connection and can feel that emotional connection when he dies in the tower. Okay. Oh, what I have my for my crazy intro, but that's not so crazy. One of the things I thought was sorry, this is going on a tangent but once again it's what i do but uh there's a lot of polaroids in this movie right there's like how many people use polaroids anymore i noticed that lex does lex is a multi-billionaire doesn't use his phone he just has polaroids that he gives to people if you think about it like he he doesn't want a digital trace of all this stuff at least with a martha kent kidnapping i know i just thought it's just like another nitty-gritty thing i noticed it's just i don't know i think it's a visual that that snyder it's 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 better visual to have somebody holding something. Oh yeah, than, when, he's, phone, when he's throwing the polar yeah when he's throwing the polaroids to to Clark on the rooftop yeah, versus yeah. if he's just like here's my that's phone. That's true. That's true. Polaroids are like especially like cr- have like a crime scene vibe. You know, mm-hmm. people that grew up in the '90s especially mm-hmm. kind of have that. Uh, so yeah, like a shot of his mother being fucked up. It's like a crime right. scene kind of thing. Yeah. Right. More Snyder. miserable details from <laughs> us on this podcast. <laughs> All could right. have had well, a picture of uh, the jar P whenever he had it on his phone. He might have accidentally <laughs> flipped to something else. I'm going to uh, give her this. Polaroids. <laughs> <laughs> it's, his ex- it's his wallpaper on there. He looks at it with some glee because yeah. he's so proud of himself for <laughs> filling up that jar. <laughs> so <clears throat> we left off on the jar of P last time, but uh, let's start with our opening tidbit. So Holly Hunter plays Senator Finch, and that is actually the same name as a senator in Batman the Animated Series. In Batman the Animated Series, there's an episode called Be a Clown where a male Senator Finch arrives at the birthday of Hamilton Hill's son, the same birthday party where the Joker crashes. And was she also in Smallville? In Smallville? Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Everybody's in fucking Smallville. (laughs) Was Holly Hunter in Smallville? Holly Hunter was in Smallville. No, she was not in Smallville. (laughs) Uh, she, She was not. But I would not have been surprised if I look back and be like, oh, yeah, she was in that one episode. <laughs> she was somebody's left foot. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> let's talk a bit about the Senate explosion then for Snyder versus critics, because we went into the jar of pee. We didn't really go into some of the other aspects that were sort of criticized overall of this scene. I think the biggest thing that was criticized was how uh, it ties into Superman's betrayal here. Okay. So... They sort of criticized how Superman is kind of just standing around and moping about. He doesn't have any lines 
in the entire DC sequence. If you if you link back to it, there's not a single line of dialogue. Oh, I remember uh, because I wanted to hear him say some shit. I was like, <laughs> this is going to be really interesting. It about opens his mouth and boom. Yeah, yeah. It's just fact, like, with just yeah. more shots of his dour ass face. On on Twitter or somewhere online, they actually counted how many lines of dialogue that Cavill has in the whole movie. Uh, and I believe it was low. It was like 40 lines uh, or something like that. I might be wrong on that. But it was basically people were criticizing just how few lines of dialogue Superman had the whole time. There's not many. Uh, and it's especially relevant when it comes to this sequence because he doesn't say anything at the Senate. The place blows up. He, If you watch the Ultimate Edition, there's a very, you know, it's a, it's a nice addition to see him carry out the survivors. And he just doesn't say anything either uh, at that point. Uh, Snyder fans cynically Photoshop him smiling in the fire to quote unquote give the Superman fans or give the critics what they want uh, because <laughs> apparently all the criticisms of Superman's betrayal of these movies can be summed up to the fact he doesn't smile enough. Uh, but <laughs> the intention of Superman in the fire was to sort of show Superman quote in anguish over the fact that this is the lowest of humanity uh, that he's seen and contrast that with the shot of uh, ben Affleck, like looking up, enraged, and and show that you know Superman is in is in anguish over seeing the lowest of humanity, whereas Bruce is enraged by it, which I think is a cool parallel, on here. Uh, but anyway, to dial this down to critics versus Snyder, critics would say that the Senate scene was a big opportunity for Superman to at least put his stamp on something to say something, but he says nothing. He doesn't even say anything to the paramedics, uh, whereas Snyder would say that maybe that's the point. So. Where do you stand on this? As usual, we'll start with Zach. Oh, boy. So this is something that I think me and Andrew are going to agree on. I mm. really think that scene would have been a lot more powerful if we actually got to hear what Superman says and then everything blows up. And then that would have been that would have made us feel like as an audience, we would have known what what his feelings were about everything up until now. We would have gotten his perspective. And then it was all for nothing because all the people that he spoke to in the room just died. So at least we would have gotten that information, but it would have been even more tragic that nobody knows still. Like yeah. all that stuff was just heard from our perspective as an audience and everyone else in the film that heard it is dead. So I feel like, yeah, that would have been a lot more powerful if he had some dialogue and said what he needed to say as far as his feelings go on, you know, how people view him and what his, you know, what his opinions are. Andrew? I find myself in that of 100% agreeance <laughs> with Zach. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, he just, it's, yeah, there's like not many lines, like you said. I, I can't, I, it, it just bugs me. I was really looking forward to Superman on trial. What will he say? What will eating happen? Your Superman cereal as you watch the speech. Ah, I can't wait <laughs> for this, and it and then it just blows up. I, I remember being in the theater, taking it back, like, what? What are we getting right now? Like, it just it's it is it like the Frank Miller thing? Like Frank Miller's on record for not really liking Superman, right? Like I think that Snyder's mm. such a Miller fan, he doesn't. But then again, he seems to like Superman too. I, I don't know. It's just like it's just Miller. Not right. Miller still wrote a very unique Superman origin in Superman year one. I, I read it recently uh, on that. I think part of that was to try to hit back at critics saying that he isn't a fan of Superman just because he has Batman beat the shit out of him okay. uh, in a few things. But I, I, I would say Frank Miller is a Superman fan. It's just 
when you're writing a Batman comic and he's up against Superman, you can't have Batman get his ass kicked. Right. It, yeah, that's true. I know. It just seems it just seems like I don't know. I just wanted to hear him talk and just to have another yep. scene with with Henry Cavill just like having a sour dour face. Uh, you know, everybody died around me. I'm sad, you know. I don't know. I mean, of course you would be sad, but it's just all around me are familiar faces. Too, yeah, too. It just felt, I found it too much. It was a bit yeah. too much. So critics mm-hmm. for okay. me. Uh, I, again, 100% agree with you guys. And it's not necessarily because we need to see Superman make speeches so much as the fact that it it's uh, it sets up the drama of that. Like if it's a whole, the whole thing is about him losing faith in humanity, if seeing the worst of humanity, we should see him having a hope for humanity before that explosion we should see some <laughs> yeah. sense of that's hope. true Instead, again as andrew says he's been dour this whole time so the explosion kind of doesn't really have the same dramatic impact that snyder was talking about i didn't really like i saw maybe the contrast between superman being sad in the courtroom versus batfleck being pissed off but i didn't necessarily see that as like oh like this is the worst of humanity i'm now going to go off in exile sort of thing and I didn't necessarily feel that in an emotional level. And I think if I were to dial it down, if uh, Snyder's biggest weakness storytelling-wise from what we've been talking about with Man of Steel and leading up to this is that uh, he's missing half of the equation. So a lot of times there's a setup and there's a payoff in order for there to be an emotional thing. Just And we see this a lot in the Nolan trilogy. Right, the setup in Batman Begins is how often Ra's al Ghul is like, you never learn to mind your surroundings. And then at the end, Batman turns that on him and he says, you never learn to mind your surroundings. And then we as the audience like feel satisfied. Uh, that's just a general mm-hmm. example. The problem is, uh, what if you don't have the setup? And at the end, Batman's just randomly to Ra's al Ghul, like, you never learn to mind your surroundings. And the whole point is like, oh, he flips it on his teacher. I'm like, well, I get it, but we didn't know that that was a thing uh, on there. It, it lacks the emotional impact. So if you don't have the setup of how much he thinks that this courtroom hearing is going to be a big step forward towards his relationship with humanity or how much he is, maybe he is already hopeless, but he believes he can get through to them. And then as Zach says, he does get through to them and then they all die. Something like that. What you're missing is the gut punch. We got the shock of it because none of us were expecting Scoot to explode, but we didn't get the sadness from it. Again, shock, but no sadness because there wasn't the setup for what we were supposed to be hoping for at the moment other than just Superman talking to us. Right, right. But if there's a sense of hope or a sense of like maybe he'll get through, maybe he is going to have an easier time and then it gets blown up, then that's going to be a gut punch and that's what you're going for. Uh, on air so uh, another thing is that I always thought the the Senate explosion muddled things because then I'm just like Lex doesn't necessarily frame him for blowing the place up because at first that's what I thought I was like oh Lex totally framed him for using his heat vision and killing everybody there but then almost immediately the news reports say it's a suicide bombing so that it's just like so people are pissed at him because he didn't stop the bombing from a guy who hated him like I'm, it's it muddles it in a way, because it's just like people hate him because yeah. he didn't really what they they think that he enabled it. He was teaming up with the guy, even though the guy was a known critic of him. Like it, it muddles it as opposed to just straight out framing him on air. Like Lex, 
as opposed to you know the beginning where he does try to frame him for the Africa stuff. But again, that was muddled because of the whole bullets thing and the fact that we didn't really that, need it. The more I think so. about that, the more I don't like it. The whole the, the whole <laughs> Africa bullet thing. Just, right. I thought there was so, something I was just missing in. I thought it was me, but it really is mm-hmm. the movie. It's yeah. just not. It's just not something <laughs> not right there. Okay, so Snyder five critics thirteen on here god uh, damn it's gonna be a landslide sorry snyder ooh, I, mean. we, I, I have a few surprises in here i have a few surprises in okay here. okay good um, good good anyway next all right on to the next tidbit we talked last time we already gave minus points to snyder for killing off mercy in a way that didn't seem like it was properly motivated because again it seems like if he's going to cover that up why didn't he kill the kgb guys uh, not KGB guys, the you know KG Beast and his minions and stuff. Mercy's the only one he kills, even though all of them are in on the same plan. Um, right. At first, I thought this was a very weird version of Mercy until I dug deeper and I, I found that there are some predecessors to this type of Mercy. Because uh, I'm used to the one in the the animated series, of course, who's mm-hmm. like the chauffeur slash bodyguard. Uh, however, a somewhat mute Mercy, which is the one that Tao Okamoto plays, because she only has like really one line when she asks Bruce like you know when he's in the server room uh, if he needs any help uh, but a somewhat mute mercy is in the young justice animated series uh lex sacrificing and killing mercy to cover stuff up is in the animated movie superman doomsday so there's that oh, shit i forgot uh, about that mercy being asian is also this is not the first time mercy has been asian she was asian in the tv show the batman uh voiced by an asian actress gwendolyn yao so there's that oh, shit. Right. And they reimagined Mercy to be Asian in the New 52 before Batman vs. Superman came out. So the casting of Tao Okamoto actually does fit with the New 52 version. Um, however, I do have to say it is a missed opportunity because Mercy, as we talked about in our No Man's Land deep dive, is uh, pretty much this badass who is implied to have Amazonian roots. So imagine the fight with Wonder Woman on that. or the potential Zuckerberg's, that. Zuckerberg's wife, also Chinese... Lex's bodyguard slash secretary, whatever she is, also Asian. She's Japanese in real life, but mm-hmm. connections abound, guys. Somebody check on uh, Mark Zuckerberg and make sure he's not filling up a jar full of pee. <laughs> yeah. He's got lots of jars at his house, I know. <laughs> uh, okay, next, Snyder versus Critics. When we see Ben Affleck's Bruce get pissed off, it's from a message that says, you will let your family die, which... Uh, Lex sort of implies later on was not actually from Wallace Keith, but actually from Lex himself to sort of manipulate him. This sort of led into a big debate, though, because from Snyder's perspective, Batman is not super heroic. He doesn't trust people, and uh, that sort of makes him more easily manipulated. However, critics would say that the world's greatest detective, it would take a lot more to trick him than a bunch of uh, messages drawn in crayon supposedly by Wallace Keefe on here. He's fighting um, a hangover the whole movie though. So. <laughs> the uh, opioids. Yeah, the opioids also. So Again, we didn't know he shit was... From, he doesn't know if it's a fever dream from the opioids or fucking dark side. He doesn't know what the fuck. Again, as we'd established, we didn't know that was those. he had those addictions until we read that Snyder quote on there. Uh, but yeah. Batman himself does zero investigating of the Congress incident for something that pisses him off so much. He just sees it, and then he just goes off to steal the kryptonite from Lex Luthor. We don't actually see him investigate to find out what happened. It's Lois who investigates what happens. Um, In fact, he doesn't actually do, in revisiting the movie, he doesn't actually do any detective work on Superman himself. We never really see him figure out that Superman is Clark Kent, anything to do with the spaceship. The only detective work he does really in the movie is tracking the kryptonite from the white Portuguese. 
but we don't actually see actual detective work applied to Superman other than the fact that he knows that kryptonite is going to weaken him and he plots the whole yeah, uh, fight for him. And basically it, yes. Yeah. Also, these these notes, what does it say again That when he's reading them? I know, I know who killed your family. It's, what is it? Uh, you let your family die. Yeah. And that is to Batman. To Batman, yeah. And who was supposed to have written that? Scoot. Scoot wrote that. Yes. Okay. But it's actually Lex. Lex. So that Lex pretending. would. Yes. Pretending to be Wallace Keith so that Bruce who would the, be pissed who off. Who was Wallace Keith again? At Scoot. Scoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> Scoot in the wheelchair. The Snyder fans are screaming at us. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> They're like, you guys can't criticize this if you don't know the character names. <laughs> Look, I'm learning with the audience. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so. Okay. And it, it is, right, I, can't, okay. I can't blame you, though. It is complicated because Lex pretends to be Scoot, writes the message to Bruce Wayne, you let your family die, to have a connection between, uh, I guess, Bruce enabling Wayne employees to get killed off by Superman's fight with Zod and relating that to Bruce's trauma with his parents and yeah what is this let relying, your family die supposed to mean exactly relying here? on the fact that Bruce will blame Superman on that when he sees the congressional it's very it's it's very muddled I don't get this to, element I feel like an idiot but I don't am I wrong like he's basically I think he's trying to pretend to be scoot saying you let your family die as in like you let us down us your family part of the business part of the Wayne Tower who are victims yeah. of oh. the Superman Zod fight but okay it's rooted that way to go off of Bruce's survivor's guilt with his parents you let your family die. Scoot doesn't know from oh, that. Out. That is that is fam That's famous info in the storyline. Yeah. Okay. It's famous enough info yeah. that he would he would know that. Uh, but okay. I would say I'm like, okay, I get that Lex is trying to poke the bear, right? Mm -hmm. But it seems like a very complicated way to blame that on Superman. Because yeah, really, he uh, feels more survivors <laughs> survivors guilt. So that makes yeah. him more angry against Superman. And Is Superman, that the yes. thinking? I think that's what. It, and then he sees the con he sees Congress blow up and connects that and decides to go get the kryptonite from Lex to kill Superman with that. It's overthought in the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you're thinking deeply about it, but it's you can overthink in the wrong no, way. Overthinking is no, no, no. a good thing. Sometimes mm -hmm. everybody's like, well, you thought too much, especially people in the South. Right, Zach? <laughs> people, <laughs> yeah. people say that shit a lot. Yeah. That's what, that's what you get for thinking. You know, people say shit like that. Mm -hmm. But my personal opinion is you can overthink in a good way, but this is not, I'm sorry, Snyder, but it's just not one of those times. The only time Bruce really references the battle of Metropolis is in that Alfred seat where he's like, look how many, you know, died back then. Type of thing. But, right. Uh, it's not, like it, it's almost as if we need they decided we needed the Battle of Metropolis plus all these other things just to push Bruce in the direction of killing Superman, which I kinda get it, but it's so muddled because the Africa stuff he doesn't even investigate. The nightmare vision comes out of nowhere. And the Congress explosion is more about like did Superman fail to prevent it versus did Superman flat out kill Congress? You know? <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Snyder versus critics on this. Let's let's hear from you guys in terms of that. I think I know what this is going to be, considering how confused we've been. But let's, Zach. What are your thoughts on uh, you let your family die and Bruce being possibly too easily manipulated? I'm going to give that one to the critics. I mean, this <laughs> Bruce is like going off a one percent 
uh, <laughs> certainties of this uh, in this stage. I get that it's supposed to be, you know, Snyder's version of Batman, but this Batman, like we said, he should be like the world's greatest detective. He should be, I mean, he is a skeptic. He should be skeptical of any thing that he receives, especially something like that. Rayon, he should have just thought like, it's really send this or, <laughs> you know, something like that. Right. character will be known as Scoot from now on. Yeah, Scoot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a name. Uh, okay, Andrew, I think you already we already know what's going to be. Critics, yeah. It's just, <laughs> you, sh- you know, it's just overly complex and not, un- not easily understood. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't know. You think, is the Joker writing this shit at first? Is the Joker in this fucking movie? There was a is fan it, theory about that, too. Yeah, when Lex, it was in the trailer. Right? And Lex yeah. is Lex is like making this guy write it, and then who the fuck is the family? And like like Zach said, the last <laughs> one or two is like if somebody like me doesn't get it, like you said with the Flash thing, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like that's a problem. It's a real <clears throat> problem. You know, uh, so uh, it's it's just way confusing. And on top of the fact of what you guys said about Batman not being a good detective about all this thing, and I know he's under mm-hmm. the influence half the time in this movie probably but but still though you know mm-hmm. it's it's not great it's it's yeah it's overly complex just like the africa thing overly yeah, complex yeah. and doesn't make any sense at, at the end of the day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm with you on that i think i think i've already got into it i'm like we don't we didn't need this this particular sequence of events is too muddled for us to believably think that he's going to do that uh, in here, if Bruce investigates the Congress incident and Lex manipulates the evidence to make it look like Superman blew the place up, that would be more understandable because Lex manipulates the evidence. It's a cat and mouse game or chess game between Bruce and Lex. But the thing is, we don't see any investigation whatsoever. It's literally, I see this note, must kill Superman. That's literally what we see uh, on screen. <laughs> and again, I... I, th- I think one of the big purposes for this series that I really wanted, why I wanted to do this was to say, like, yes, we understand, or at least when it comes to this part, I understood Snyder's intentions. When it, you know, I, I get where he was going with the whole you, you let your family guy, but I still don't think it was the best way to execute that because it's too muddled. It's too muddled in what does this mean and how is that supposed to connect to Superman and how does that connect to Batman uh, using that to push Batman to go after Superman and not even like look further into what the hell happened at Congress. You would think absolutely that Batman would want to investigate that. It's cool that we get Lois Lane investigating. At least somebody's like doing her job right in this movie. <laughs> out, of the, out of the heroes of anything, she and Wonder Woman are the, are the ones who don't do anything wrong in this whole thing. But uh, in the case of this one, I'm like, I get it. I just wish that it was done in a less muddled way where probably even a more intriguing way like it would be so much more impressive if Lex Luthor tricked the world's greatest detective through manipulating evidence through outthinking Bruce rather than just poking the bear with a few you know notes that Bruce is supposed to believe comes from Scoot so (laughs) anyway so easily manipulated in this movie Lex just has him around his finger man yep uh, but I still have my Batfleck outfit on, so we'll just keep it. <laughs> it's a great suit. It is a great suit. Um, all right, next tidbit is that once Lex blows up the uh, con- blows up Congress, he decides to start making doomsday. So he goes into the Kryptonian ship 
And the voice of the ship is none other than Carlo Gugino from the previous movie who oh, played uh, Kelix. So was she's... this extended a lot from the uh, theatrical version? These scenes? I don't. I don't think those scenes with the Kryptonian ship. I don't remember anything. Okay. New in the I guess edition. I just totally forgot what the fuck happened there. Because I, again, for the audience, I saw this in the theater once mm-hmm. years ago. Was it two or three years at this point? And yeah. then the that was theatrical, of course. And then the um, ultimate edition on HBO Max right. when we started doing the series. So I yep. some things in my memory are not hundred uh, percent. Anyway, continue, gotcha. Ben. <laughs> uh, so I decided since we've got critics fourteen, Snyder five, we should every now and then do some automatic points for Snyder because I feel Boom. like we're in agreement for stuff. So one automatic point is. Probably the most controversial casting of this movie was Ben Affleck as Batman. People were going off the rails on this, and yet I would say he's probably got the best performance out of the main leads in this movie. That is true. Uh, Zach, Zach, go ahead. ahead. Oh, yeah. I very much agree. I just Because I think I was one of those people when I heard Ben Affleck, I was like, huh? I I didn't immediately think he was going to be terrible, but I was just kind of thinking that was a strange choice. Uh... I believe it was Josh Brolin was being touted as like the leading um, mm-hmm. choice for a while. And I got really excited about that. So when I heard Ben Affleck, I was just like, kind of came out of nowhere, but you know, he really did a, a fantastic job. I wish that, you know, some of the characterization could have been a little bit more right. accurate to the comics, but I wish we could have seen like him do more with that character um, and not be disrespected like he was in the <laughs> Joss Whedon cut of Justice League. <laughs> right, right. Andrew? I've always liked uh, Batfleck. It was announced on my birthday that he was going to mm-hmm. be Batman that year, so it was just like I felt cosmically linked to Batfleck. <laughs> but yeah, but no, yeah, it's... um, People like hated that decision so much, and I wonder why. My main personal theory is he's just too famous and, it, and, and takes him out of the takes people out of the movie i think mm-hmm. like people would rather have an unknown i guess um and, and the fact that people didn't like daredevil is probably another big one um but right but I mean, it's almost like they forgot that he was doing gone girl on the town and argo and like yeah. oscar material at that point he was doing great shit and and you know i don't know i mean it looks great in the suit he looks big as fuck he's like six four right i think so yeah he's taller than cavill He's taller than Cavill, which is great. That's a good dynamic. Uh, and, I mean, in those w- workout scenes, he's fucking humongous, dude. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking monster. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, goddamn. Okay, so that's points for that. And then, mm-hmm. forgive me if I'm jumping ahead, Ben, but also points for the fucking suit. Like, we, we, like I know, Ben, you've said before on the podcast that it's the best Batman suit on film. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'd have to agree. I mean, shit, it's a gray and black, and it's got the fat bat on it, and it's great. Yep. Uh, Zach, anything to add on the suit? No, I think it's fantastic. I'm not going to say it's the best one because, you know, I still like Michael Keaton's suit oh, right. for all the other. <laughs> I think it's just nostalgic. But right, as far as they right. come up with accurate suit, I just feel like I was so excited when I found out they were using gray. I was like, what they're not just going to make it all black like every other Batman suit? I just thought, like, what an innovative idea! They finally mm-hmm. have made it the color that it is in the comics. I know a lot of people were really hoping it had some blue in it too. I think that would actually could have been cool um, if they, you know, continued on with this character, uh, just doing subtle changes to the costume. But 
yeah it looks the costume looks fantastic and i i can't argue with that that just looks so good the cowl to me i really like it um other than the length of the ears it reminds me a lot of the alex ross cowl like the way that he paints batman it's like mm-hmm. there is a an expression carved into the mask that looks organic mm-hmm. so there's like yeah. eyebrows and forehead wrinkles it's not as a uh, it's not as sculptural and, and abstract um, or uh, deco looking as like the other cowls that have come before it. So yeah, I really like mm-hmm. the way it looks. It looks aggressive. Yeah. No, oh definitely. yeah, good. That's a good. Good word for that. Yeah. Uh, so that's two automatic points for Snyder on both Affleck two. and the costume. I coming up, was coming always up. a believer. I I felt that people gave him too much of a bad rap when it was announced. I to me it made sense because I'm just like oh. I never. I just didn't think about it at the time because I just didn't think he would do it because of Daredevil. But I was also like, he. The problem with the Daredevil movie wasn't him. He was fine as Daredevil. In fact, I remember watching it's it. Hardly ever the like, actors. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching it being just like, yeah, this wouldn't, he wouldn't be bad as Batman if he just did the same thing uh, in it. Uh, but again, like most of the problems with that movie have nothing to do with him. Similar thing with with uh, this one, where I a majority of the stuff that would be issues with the movies that he's in as Batman don't have anything to do with his own performance. I thought he was fine. He's a physical fit for it. Even if you look at some of the old comics, you look back and you're just like, oh, that does actually kind of look like uh, Affleck, just in general. Um, not just the fact that he's, you know, brunette with a square jaw looking, but some of the expressions and stuff kind of look like that. And then, of course, when the suit came out, I was always, uh, way back when Watchmen came out, uh, and I saw Patrick Wilson's Night Owl outfit, I was just like, okay, I'd really like the, whoever did that to do a Batman suit. And that was Michael Wilkinson who did do this suit. So it was it was really a dream come true to see Snyder and Wilkinson do this suit to bring, show that you can do a black and gray suit and bring that to life and do it in a way where Batman looks intimidating and make him literally look like he's the on-screen comic book Batman at the same time. Were there and any cow problems? With this, uh, if if there were, I don't, uh, I haven't heard any. It seemed like it was pretty well made cowl. Like he, I don't know, I never, I didn't see any like weird head turn issues in it. <laughs> no, I mean, I I think uh, when you've made Batman movies for this long, you kind of perfect it along the way anyway. So yeah, yeah. I I was always a big proponent about how I didn't like that the. Uh, I didn't necessarily like the direction of the Nolan movies bat suit. Uh, in fact, I said I hated it during the Dark Knight. You said it was a black shoe. You said it, it was like a black shoe. It's a bla- it is a black type of shoe that he's wearing. With the abs I, I will never forget that wording. <laughs> it, it I didn't know you hated shoe. the suit. I didn't until we record. Until we were recording, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Notice I don't have I don't have a Halloween costume of the the Nolan bat suit or a statue or an action figure of it. Uh, I'm not like outright boycotting it. I've just never thought to buy any merchandise of it because I just don't like the design of it. I, I think it just looks ugly. Uh, on it, and it just, <laughs> it's, it's, doesn't look like Batman. Savage. Yeah, man, you're gonna <laughs> people. That's, ugly, okay. ugly suit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking but this one, I'm just like, this is uh, this is exactly what I'd wanted. Maybe wish the ears were a little longer, but other than that, I I was like, no, this is legit. When the first, you know, people made fun of the you know sad Batman 
picture when it first came out, but I was just more relieved. I was like, oh, thank God they're not doing yet another, you know, armored tennis type of look. They're actually legit going off of the comics. And I had faith that Snyder was going to do that because I, I felt his Superman suit was, you know, a good representation of what was in the comics. And I knew that he was such a big fan of the Dark Knight Returns uh, it that we were more than likely getting a Dark Knight Returns type of suit. And that's what we got. And I, I'm grateful for it. I still think so, it's the best. Then, it's awesome. Andrew, how do you feel about the way the cowl looks in Justice League. I'm personally not a... Uh, I feel like I don't really have the eye to catch minor differences. So, for me... like I know that there's differences between the Superman suits in Man of Steel and BVS. I just honestly don't really notice them unless you point out to me, like, the belt's different. Similar thing with Justice League. I know that he's wearing a different suit. Um, but this is before the tactical suit at the end where he's got the goggles and stuff. But uh, I know he's wearing a slightly different suit that's been modified. Um, but I don't think I really noticed that much in terms of design differences. To me, it feels the same. I got to say, I didn't even know it was a fucking different suit, to be honest with you. I represent all of the basic bats out there <laughs> <laughs> with this yeah. one. I don't like it. There is something about the ears, the way that they carve them, they're angled back more and... It looks a little too much like Night Owl from the Watchmen series. And I don't know, it's something about the silhouette when his head is turned to the side, especially if you see those original posters where it's like Unite the Seven posters. Mm. And he's turned to the side, it's a really cool image. But the, they, the way they have like sculpted the ears to where they're like angled back, almost like a an irritated cat. It's something about him. I really <laughs> don't like it. And his... <laughs> Yeah, the eyebrows and stuff a are a little bit different too. Uh, mm-hmm. Something about the the way everything is sculpted is just a little bit different, and I didn't like it as much. But it's super subtle. But I don't like the silhouette of his ears from the side. That's, the, that's a major difference. Is there any any other differences with it? His gray is a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. a little darker? The gray of the suit is slightly darker. Uh, I know in that film, and then of course like the tactical suit at the end. But yeah, it's very, mm-hmm. very minor differences. But it's something about the cowl. I, I wish they had just left it alone. It looks so good in this movie. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. I did not I, notice that. I didn't either, but I figured that Zach would have the eye for that more than not more than I would. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, let's see. That does give two extra points to Snyder. So that's Snyder seven critics fourteen. Snyder's catching up. FNAF for now catching up, catching up. Uh, let's see next tidbit we also see during there's this workout scene that Andrew pointed out and then afterwards he goes back to the computer and he sees the photo of Wonder Woman and we hear the Wonder Woman theme for the first time now originally there was going to be a different photograph in there it was going to be a photograph of her at the Crimean War which hit Twitter earlier this year that was super controversial because it had her holding like three heads of the soldiers she killed yeah. during the Crimean War uh, this was obviously completely replaced by what Patty Jenkins did with World War One and Chris Pine. So we aren't even going to do a Snyder's versus Critics thing because it wasn't even part of the movie. Um, however, if you guys are interested to hear our thoughts on that, we have a Patreon episode for those who are part of the $5 tier called Should Wonder Woman Kill? We do a deep dive into why it was the Crimean War, uh, the history of Wonder Woman beheading people, and whether or not that actually matches up with the picture that we saw. Um, so our issues of it, and as well as our other other things, were just like, you know, what do we not have a problem with on that? So check that out if you guys are interested on there. Uh, last Snyder versus Critics thing before the break is Clark's sort of journey of solitude. So we have uh, Clark 
telling Lois that, you know, Superman was just a sort of a failed dream from a farmer from Kansas. And then he goes up into the mountains where he ends up meeting Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner is back in this. Uh, and Jonathan Kent gives him a sort of this anecdote about a time where sort of basically exemplifying how the right thing can have a tragic result on it. And sometimes, you know, you don't always get rewarded for doing the right thing. Uh, critics would say that this felt random, that uh, the Clark would never really give up on humanity this quickly. And uh, the whole sequence just kind of felt, again, added to the dour nature of this version of Superman. However, Snyder's intentions were basically that Clark goes up to seek solitude to try to regain his humanity, to try to find some semblance of hope somewhere. Uh, in fact, he goes up north in the snow to seek, specifically, solitude. <laughs> in a way... According to Snyder, this sequence is a symbolic version of the Fortress of Solitude for Superman, for him to go up here and sort of reconnect with his memories of his father and reconnect with what he stands for. Sure, people think that the scout ship from Man of Steel was a version of the Fortress of Solitude since AI Jor-El was there and it had Kryptonian stuff, but that thing got sent to the Phantom Zone with Feyora and Chris Maloney in the last movie. So this is almost a replacement of the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, and then, of course, there's the tidbit that Jonathan brings up that what gave him that faith in the world, the connection to humanity, was meeting Martha and that, uh, quote, she was my world, which is exactly what Clark says to Lois. And Lois is apparently Clark's connection to humanity, as we see in the Nightmare Vision and the Future Justice League, where her death would lead Superman to succumb to the anti-life equation. So anyway, uh, back to the whole Clark's journey of solitude. Where do you stand on this? Did you feel that Snyder conveyed that hope for humanity, or did you just find that it was random? Oh, I thought it was just fine. Uh, I didn't think about the fact that it is kind of the same emotional beat of him speaking to a father figure until you just mentioned mm -hmm. Jor-El's like, uh, hologram, basically, from Man of Steel. So True. Yeah. It's basically getting that uh having a conversation getting feedback from another father figure i, I feel like kevin costner gives better advice as a ghost in this movie than he does that's a real that life paul that kent true. that is uh, true it's like finally he's paul kent <laughs> yeah i'll give that one to to snyder i that part of the movie didn't upset me or i didn't think it was mm -hmm. random in any way I, it's it's point to Snyder on this one too. Um, not overwhelmingly so, but I don't think the critics have as much of a say about anything against it. It's it's fine. Why does he initially go go on it though? Go on this little uh, thing. What leads uh, him to do he's, this? He because the Senate explosion sort of creates this Ooh. loss of faith in being Superman. Pretty okay, much. that so does he, he goes off. Yeah. That make that does make sense. I guess. I mean, you kind of want his you know fortress of solitude whatever version of that is i mean mm -hmm. to me he was so good at the the designing of krypton i'm sure that would carry over into his fortress of solitude whatever that would look like mm -hmm. um so i don't know i feel like we missed out on that but kevin Costner's scene was good i remember people in the theater you you know there's that moment and you know whenever you watch a movie in the theater mm -hmm. whenever, whenever something like that comes up you can just feel the reaction of people right you know like whoa you know that kind of thing yeah. in, in a good way uh, mm -hmm. So we kind of had that, I remember. And, um, of course, Costner, you know, great casting for Paul Kent. Just didn't have the best lines in Man of Steel. But like, like Zach <laughs> right. said, this is uh, – it was better. So, yeah, points right. to Snyder. 
Nice. All right. Snyder 8, Critics 14. This is a sequence where I, uh, I've i come around on because I think when I first saw it, I was just like, why are we going on this tangent? Get back in your fucking suit and go. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, like, I know that you're already going to like regain your faith in humanity. Like, come on. You're good. You have to have a fight with Batman. It's called Batman versus Superman. Like, why are we wasting our time? But uh, when I was rewatching it and keeping in mind Snyder's intentions, I was like, you know what? I get it. Like, I get that this is it it's about the whole point is supposed to be Superman losing his faith. And it does make sense that he would need some time to himself and, and reconnect with who his father is in his mind, who is, wouldn't be Jor-El, but would be Jonathan Kent. Cause he only knew Jor-El in AI form for like two days, but Jonathan Kent, he grew up with for like 18 years. Um, so, you know, it's a welcome return for Kevin Costner. I think also when I first watched it, I was so distracted that Kevin Costner was in this movie and wondering why we had the subplot that I don't think I actually paid attention to what he was saying. But when I rewatched it, when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, I get it. This ties into the theme with him, you know, kind of getting punished for doing the, the, the right thing, which is what we talked about in previous episodes. And that's the whole point with the whole montage with the with him with the whole day in the dead thing and, and saving people and people questioning it. So, uh, you know, it is definitely it, it's a darker exploration of superman but it's a necessary one and i think it it makes sense and it, it it strives to make clark more of a relatable figure than just if he was you know fine mentally fine all the time so right point goes to snyder on that snyder eight critics 14 mm-hmm. so catching up catching up catching now. up so anyway after the after the break we will are going to be leading up to the Batman versus Superman fight. We're going to have a lot of Snyder versus critics on that one. Oh, so shit. Catch you after the break. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast about the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, where we delve the depths of pop culture history. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The, the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, yeah. scientifically possible. Or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's... read Dune! You have... No, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, big man. My name is Pito. Get it? <laughs> Pito. Real name is Pete. Villain name, Pito. Just like what you did, man. With the, like with the magnets and all that. Pito. Well, my name is not Magneto. It's Magneto. There's a difference, my boy. Six of one, half a dozen another, big man. I do not know what that means. Pito is a name. You don't know what that means? Homo sapiens and their terminology. You don't like the name Pito. Doesn't strike fear into the hearts of heroes and whatnot. I don't know exactly why I should be afraid of you. Well, my power is a super shriek. Super shriek? Super shriek. Check this out. Thank God I'm wearing the helmet. You remind me of the Banshee who I used to work with in Cuba. Fuck that guy. He's a twerp. Pito was the real deal, man. Pito and Magneto. You and me, buddy? Banshee sacrificed way more than you ever have for our kind. I don't know you like that guy. Show some respect. Anyway, I think that Magneto and Pito should get together and make the human race finito. <laughs> well, at least we agree on something. That's what I'm talking about, baby. First stop, Vegas. We're going to win at all the slots, all the blackjack, all that kind of stuff, craps table, even a little bit of pie gal, and then destroy it completely. And then Vegas. Yes. And then 
go from there. You know what I'm saying? Branch out. But I think we just need to have a little good, good old time in Vegas first. I've never considered Vegas. I think you could do the magnetic powers on them there slots. We could win pretty big. I think so. I mean, money is made out of metal, right? A lot of it. Gold bars are a type of metal. Yes. So there you go. Magneto and Pito. I admit you have potential, Pito. You want to go get a burrito on the way to Vegas? Pito and Magneto getting a burrito before we make everybody finito. I suppose it fits the theme. That's what I'm talking about, brother. All right now. But first, we need to find my daughter. She, apparently, she's in this weird town with some robot boyfriend who I disapprove of. I mean, if he's a robot made out of metal, I think you got that one, big man. Excellent point. I like you already, Pito. I'm wearing this big-ass metal belt buckle, so you can just fly me on over there, and we'll fly there, and fucking, uh, we got this. Take that motherfucker out. We will be fury that this world has never witnessed. Before you're ripping apart with your Magneto powers, I'm going to scream at him real quick. Give him the super shriek. Give him the old one-two. Shriek-a-doodle-doo, boy. That's a good boy, Pito. That's what I'm talking about. That's a good boy. I mean, I'm not a boy, but I mean, I'll take it since we're, we're cool now. I'm about 80 years old. Everyone is a boy to me. That is true. You are old as fuck. All right, let's go. Let's go head to Westview. And I will have that burrito. That's what I'm talking about. Magneto and Pito. All right, everybody, if you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically consider it Superhouse DLC. It's a kerfuffle if I ever saw one. Welcome back to Batman vs. Superman, Snyder vs. Critics, and we are going to do the lead-up into the fight between Batman vs. Superman. So, are you ready? Yes. Hell yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, I am. Two very different responses from that, but okay. So, <laughs> I can't uh, wait. <laughs> after Clark talks to his dad, Snyder deliberately has a scene with Bruce inside Wayne Manor with Alfred. This was to draw a parallel of the relationship between the men and their two fathers. So, uh, in terms of Clark, it's him talking to his dead dad, Jonathan, who gives him that hope for humanity. Whereas here, Bruce is pretty much visiting his dad's tomb and talking about the family legacy of being hunters, which I loved. I love that's one of my favorite bits in the movie. That is cool. Was that in the again? I'm sorry. Was that in the original? <laughs> yeah, that's in the original. It was I okay. I remember being in the theater, just being like, "Ooh," when he's like, "They were hunters," and they just walks away from Alfred. I'm like, "Okay, that's pretty badass." Was that in the comics ever? No, they came up with that. That's a that's a Terrio Snyder thing. Okay, that is cool though, because some yeah. some of it's like the Waynes were early bankers in the wild west or some shit right in the jonah hex uh, comics yeah yeah no the whole idea of like you know they they sold pelts to the french and stuff like i don't think that's in the comics i think they came up with that just to set up the line they were hunters right so right, right. Yeah, that yeah. was cool uh my only criticism of this scene is that i feel like alfred should talk bruce more out of trying out of trying to kill superman versus just saying that you're going to get killed but maybe alfred is just Thinking, Perhaps like, it is a good idea after all, sir. <laughs> but I, think maybe, I don't like that blue fuck either. <laughs> maybe Alfred's just thinking this is the best way to get through to him and thinking that like you're going to die as opposed to maybe you shouldn't fight this guy. So okay. uh, not a big thing. I'm not going to 
put that against uh, Snyder. Snyder also brings up that a lot of the images from the movie are people walking away from camera to represent solitude. So we are following, and even in the dream sequence, we follow Bruce first when he's going through the field towards the tomb. We follow Alfred going towards the field. Bruce walks away from Alfred into the field, all representing solitude. Uh, and that image of Bruce walking away from Alfred in, into the field is actually paralleled at the end, which we'll get into when we get right, to the finale. Right, right, so, right, right. And there's a anyway. parademon that pops out of the fucking mausoleum, right? That's a bat. That's a, a bat. bat. <laughs> it's a bat. Yeah. It's a bat. Yeah, that's right. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. like that scene. I like that part a lot. Yeah. yeah. As I said, it kind of reminded me of the cut Batman Forever scene a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was It was good. All right, we're going to get into Lex Luthor's motivation. So we're not going to get into his plan yet. I'm going to go. I'm saving that for the final episode because that's when we know all the pieces of his plan come together. But I'm going off of Lex's motivation because this is kind of the only time where he talks about his motivation. He has the whole line about how no man in the sky intervened to deliver him from his dad's abuse, uh, and that uh, he figured out way back that if God is all powerful, he cannot be all good, and if he is all good, he cannot be all powerful. So. That's Snyder's way of saying that this is sort of his version of Lex putting his stamp on the character, saying that he it comes from this idea that he doesn't believe in Superman and what he stands for and wants to expose Superman as a fraud because there's no possible way that this type of person with all these powers would be on the side of good. This is uh, a something that, like like I said, uh, you know, I, w- I was an atheist for 10 years. I still am. And mm-hmm. th- people say this is lines that are said in, like, atheist circles as well about... Mm-hmm. About the, I don't want to get too into this, but the, <laughs> the, the Christian God and any kind of God like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think Terry maybe borrowed some of these lines because I feel like I'd heard this before. One of the first podcasts I ever listened to was called The Atheist Experience, and mm. they would uh, talk about this kind of thing quite a bit. Uh, what omnibenevolence is not. And then what was the other line? All knowing omniscience. You can't, yeah, you can't have both at the same time because they, 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 yeah, they will can't be contradict. All and all good, yeah, yeah. They're trying to, they're tr- trying to inject some depth in it via this like um, philosophical slash theological conversation, which I appreciate, but I, I think ultimately it, it kind of falls flat here. Right. It, it's, it feels like, I know, I mean, look, Terry, I want a fucking Oscar, like that guy. They know what they're doing, but I just, I right. just kind of, I just kind of felt like this, this part was not handled that well it just kind of falls mm-hmm. flat right critics would say that the motivation is muddled here because basically like he doesn't buy superman as good because his dad beat him when he was yeah, younger yeah. uh and <laughs> no god was around to save him. i get that it's more complicated than that but that's kind of how it's summed up and it's i think it's sort of seen as like it's a nice uh it's a nice philosophical reason but not necessarily an emotional motivation but where do you guys side on that i think andrew made his pretty clear what about you zach I don't know. I kind of like it. I think it's <laughs> okay. okay. Just Remember, Zach's atheist. the fan of the Eisenberg Lex. Yeah, you're the one. <laughs> yeah, it's the atheist in me, but it is very... I kind of like it. It does give him some motivation. It makes us see how insane he is, but it shows us that he is associating Superman with the uh, you know theological god. So I think it's his way of trying to uh shape his world just like batman does he's got to take you know his he wants to make the world make sense so he's going to make it make sense and shape it the way that he wants to and he wants to play god uh lex does i know and to to bring down a god i think is just the ultimate 
control for him. Uh, mm-hmm. But you do see that, yeah, he doesn't, I guess that's his motivation is he doesn't believe that he can be all good because he doesn't think that if God exists, he can be all good because of the abuse that he suffered. Now that doesn't, I think I'm kind of giving him some extra credit, like looking into the comic book version of Lex Luthor, because I think that's probably like his biggest thing is he, it's all, it's all about power and mm-hmm. yeah, him to be able to like take down a God or God in his mind is like the ultimate goal for him. But yeah, I, I, I didn't mind that little speech. I kind of liked it. Okay. Andrew, do you have more to add? Um, okay. I'm now rethinking of it on the fly here, <laughs> but he says, this is about Lex not liking how powerful Superman is, right? Yes. Yes. So he's saying, there's no way this guy can be good because he's he's all powerful. But it just seems like, does is that like Lex's? I, I don't know. I'm gonna still go critics just because. Right. Again, it's one of those things where Snyder's kind of headed in the right direction, but this one's a little tough for me, honestly. But it does. Mm-hmm. It just feels kind of like haphazardly injected in. I wish I could figure a, a better way to say it. I agree it, with you. Yeah. I agree with you on that, yeah. Yeah. Or it seems like, oh, we need a line about his motivation. Let's throw this in and throw in some philosophy at the same time. Let's make him sound deep, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> to me, yeah, like to me, I'm like, this is fine from a philosophical level. However, people aren't necessarily motivated through their actions by philosophies or by their philosophies. They're, they're motivi- motivated by, uh, you know, a lot of their own uh, actions. Uh, they're motivated by their, uh, um, like, things that happened to them in the past that cause them to do stuff right now and sure some of it could be the, the abuse but it's as we said like that's a little muddled here like in in the post-crisis comics at least with the John Byrne reboot with the Man of Steel in the 80s it was kind of more about the fact that this was this Superman sort of replaced him and he became envious of that and he sort of used the idea of you know I need to protect the world from you I need to protect Earth from aliens and stuff that was kind of just his pretense that was kind of just all for show when deep down it was just because he couldn't stand the fact that there was somebody who could reach the sky higher than him there's actually you know one of the best parts of the Lois and Clark pilot is when Lex tells Lois and Clark like I like being in LexCorp Tower because everyone has to look up to see me and at the end just to piss him off Superman says to Lex if you ever need to find me just look up and right. Lex is pissed off at that. Similar thing with uh, John Cryer's Lex Luthor in Supergirl. One of his first scenes, he rants about how the fact that he says, quote, I was the man of tomorrow, not him. How he was supposed to be the one to sort of set the example for humanity. And Superman sort of swept in and stole his thunder. Um, we can relate more to jealousy. I feel like just jealousy is more, uh, sure, it's been played out. But, I mean, it's it's a motivation, an actual motivation. Here, I'm just like, okay, like we have a little bit of one. But it's it seems muddled, especially given what happens after. Once we go into Lex's plan, you know, Zach and I kind of talked about this offline, but uh, Lex's plan, if this is his motivation, gets a little muddled by creating Doomsday uh, at this point. <laughs> yes. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Again, Nolan's so much better at this kind of thing, like mm-hmm. the re- injecting religious, deep, philosophical shit. It connects mm-hmm. with sci-fi ideas and stuff like that. It, it, this just wasn't handled. This best part wasn't handled that well, in my opinion. In my opinion, Snyder eight critics fifteen. Critics oh, well. got the fifteen. So, uh, all right, moving on to the next part. I don't really have a tidbit, so we're just going to go on to the next part because the, 
we're getting to a point where like it's kind of back to back with the Snyder versus Critic stuff. But yeah. this is something that Andrew brought up in one of the previous episodes. But what was criticized was the scene where Superman goes to Lois about how Lex is setting up the fight and that Batman has to die. And the line, quote, no one stays good in this world, uh, was criticized as being probably the most un-Superman-like thing ever said uh, <laughs> by Cavill. However, yeah. Snyder would point out that that's the point. That the whole point is that he has lost hope at this point, but is kind of forced to still fight for it. Uh, in order to save his mom. Either he has to get through to Bruce or he has to kill Bruce uh, in a way. And what does Superman have to deal with that? So where do you stand when it comes to, like, do you feel like that scene can properly convey Superman's emotional journey or do you think that it was kind of just, as we would say, like a very dour <laughs> turn of events that you kind of know aren't really going to come about? Yeah, there is no emotional journey for Superman. Uh, it's just like we, <laughs> we already talked about it like we don't see the hopeful side of Superman he mm-hmm. is just like down in the dumps from the beginning of this movie even mm-hmm. you know even when he's saving people I like to see him save people but he just seems so down about it so we never actually get a chance to see him have any hope in humanity so to me there's no arc there may be a, a very very slight gradual slope no arc. There's no big arc for Superman. He doesn't go from being hopeful to dour. It is just like kind of, I don't know. He doesn't have an arc. So, yeah, I, I will give critics points for this one. Andrew? This is, this is the taxi cab scene, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously critics. I mean, this is the worst scene. <laughs> you hate that scene. Yeah. I think this is a bad, bad scene. It's just because it, it's just overly emo, like, you know, I just hate how he acts in this scene. It just doesn't seem like Sorry, super. I, I'm a huge Cavill fan. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think that scene sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this, this scene fucking sucks, dude. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. There's no, there's no big fucking critique from me on this one. He's just so, so overly dour, overly like one of you guys were talking about. Like he's just so burdened with his responsibility. I guess it's, it's just. It's too much. Don't need it. Take the scene out entirely. Uh, I'm actually going to side with Snyder on this, even though that wow. I've been outvoted on this, because I feel like, again, this is a, the whole point of the story was for him to be at this point and at his lowest point uh, on here. And so it's kind of necessary to see him sort of be hopeless. Uh, I would say that this actually conveys it better than the Senate explosion. Probably because of the fact that he has a fucking line of dialogue this yeah. time. Uh, I can <laughs> I can strangely agree with that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it does convey that. However, I don't know if we necessarily needed him losing faith in humanity, talking to his dead dad, then coming back and then losing his faith in humanity again uh, on here. But in terms of the scene on its own, conveying what it needs to convey, I think it did its job. I hated it on first viewing, but upon revisiting it and seeing what the intentions were. I get what it is. Again, for the scene itself, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with this in terms of the intentions. However, uh, in terms of Superman's arc, as I do kind of agree with Zach. There's like they could have done better in terms of making him more hopeful in the beginning to give more impact for him losing hope later on in this movie. You so. know what? I just thought about that. That really doesn't make sense that he just went to talk to Ghost Dad and got, <laughs> and got some hope back, but then came right back down here and now he's dower again because he knows he's gonna have to either stop bruce or kill him i think they just added that scene in there to remind you that his mom's name's martha (laughs) you're probably right 
You're probably right. Your mom, Martha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, could it also, because it could have also been he regains his open humanity talking to his dad and then he tells Lois, like, you know, I have to talk Bruce out of it or else I have to let him kill me. But I, I still, I believe I can get through to him. Right. Like, I believe in Bruce Wayne or something like that. Um, yeah. Okay. Which case we go over this night. I mean, it's going to go to the critics anyway. Uh, but I'm just like, I hmm. want to give Snyder more points, but man, I know we'll we'll, we'll come up not, with stuff. Not good. <laughs> it's a valiant yeah. effort, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I tried here. I'm <laughs> uh, next tidbit is uh, Wonder Woman when she goes to her hotel room. A very brief second, um, you see Golden Age comics on the bed. The original oh, comics for the first appearances. You can barely make them out. But apparently, it's a whole bunch of Golden Age comics that are on there. Uh, right before, it's right before the power goes out and before she opens the email. Um, I'll also retroactively add a tidbit because I realized that I could have added one in between the whole Lex motivation and the no one stays good in this world line. But uh, Eisenberg's Lex likes to call Superman Clark Joe because Clark's middle name is Joseph. Uh, fun fact: Lex Luthor's middle name is Joseph as well. Oh wow! I think. That's I think right. it's Alexander Joseph Luther, which means they both have the same middle name, and I think that's what they have in common with Schuster. I thought he was just adding that because he knew he was a country bumpkin. <laughs> yeah, that too. That's What's going too. on, I, I Joe? I don't, I don't think he added it to point out the parallel. I'm just pointing out the parallel here as like yeah, a fun yeah, fact. Yeah. He calls him that in the movie? He calls yeah. him Clark Joe. Yep. Yeah, he calls him Clark Joe a couple of times, I think. I forgot about that, yeah. 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 All right, next Snyder vs. Critics uh, is... People criticized the fact that we were introduced to the Justice League through emails. <laughs> uh, they, thought, they thought it was too lame. They thought that Lex. They thought it was weird that Lex had already branded these heroes with their nicknames yep. and their logos. That's right. And stuff. So, uh, where do you stand on that? Because obviously Snyder was doing that to introduce you to the Justice League or tease the Justice League. After all, it's Dawn of Justice. But where do you guys stand on that? Starting with Zach. I don't know. I can't imagine what else they would do at this point. It does feel like it was something that was very shoehorned in to try mm -hmm. to set up the Justice League. It's it's a lot. I guess it's uh, it goes along with the idea that if it's on film, you need to show it uh, and not yes. see it. Mm -hmm. And that's like, we're watching a woman open an email. We're watching a video. We're watching a film where someone's watching a video on their computer yes. to try to set up these characters. And it's just like, well, here they all are really quick. And it is kind of funny. The fact that Lex did already make up logos for everybody. Like, why would he do that? What's the point <laughs> of that? Branding. It's silly as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you stand on that? Zach? Are you kind of just in between? I'm going to give it to the critics. It's, I can't mm. imagine how else, it would be done it would the way the movie is now mm -hmm. i mean i really just feel like it's isn't it nice just to have like wonder woman in it do we have to like have any setup for the other characters right now couldn't she i know she says something at the end about others like her mm -hmm. could that have just been it do we really have to have like the whole email thing i guess the problem would be how does how do they know that there are others like her I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still going to give it to the critics because I can't. Okay. I don't think it's it was the best uh, handled, but I I can't think of another way they could have introduced them in such a short amount of time, uh, you know, briefly in the film. Mm -hmm. Andrew? It's bad. 
but <laughs> I do think this this might be not that I'm going to give it to Snyder. I think it's critics, but I do think this. Now, the more I think about this, the more it does feel like Warner Brothers breathing down their necks, maybe, and like mm-hmm. put them in there, put them in there, put them in there. Like I feel like Terrio and Snyder probably succumbed to this, and they just didn't have enough time to figure it out. Again, I don't know that. It's probably way too inside baseball to really ever for us mm-hmm. to ever really know, unless one of them gives an interview and doesn't give a fuck anymore. They probably yeah. won't, because mm-hmm. uh, they like their careers, um, especially Snyder at this point. Um, so, it's not the worst thing in the world, mm-hmm. but I still maybe give it to critics just because it's just outside of the meta stuff of the industry and producers and stuff like that. If we just talk about story. Mm-hmm. And how story is conveyed via film, it's not good. It's like all the shit that Zach just said. We're watching a video of somebody watching a fucking video has almost mm-hmm. nothing to do with anything else, really. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah, uh, critics. Uh, I was going to give this one to Snyder, but I've been outvoted. Because uh, uh, kind of like what Zach said, I don't really picture any other way you could have necessarily done it when they don't really play much of a role in the story. I'm kind of fine with the idea that they kind of already know who Aquaman, Cyborg, and uh, The Flash are so that it makes it easier to set up the Justice League uh, on that. If I feel like there's... I don't think I really had a problem with the actual setup. I I just felt that the outside of the scene, I didn't like the pacing of it because Mm -hmm. we're on our way to this Batman-Superman fight. You know, it's about to go down, and then here's like five minutes of her watching this email added. To me, I'm just like, you could have placed it somewhere else, but the email itself doesn't bother me. If Bruce had seen that in the Batcave while he saw the Wonder Woman photograph, and that's when he learned about that stuff. Right. Maybe that would have made more sense. Yeah, even if he didn't open any videos, if when he looked at the Wonder Woman thing, he saw those logos up there. I yeah. feel like that would have been enough of a tease. And mm. what does the scene really add to the movie? Uh, overall, it shows you. Almost. I would, I would argue though that if Bruce had, let's say that he opened those things after he got, you know, he meets Wonder Woman at the party. She tells him that she gave the drive back. He opens it when he gets back to the Batcave. Then Flash shows up. Then you know who the Flash is. But could, that's not what they did anyway. Could but Flash, <laughs> could Flash and Wonder Woman show up in the nightmare sequence? So then you have everybody fighting. That's and, true too. And then it's 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 more organic, and you don't have them fucking open up an email, and it makes sense because at least it's in the dream sequence that's started by the Flash anyway. I think I'm not going to argue with that. Se- I, seemingly, <laughs> right. well, I think, and and this is like talking about a, something that hasn't even come out yet, but I I do think that in the Snyder cut of Justice League, we do see that they are, at least Wonder Woman has already been killed because it shows something about like her armor or like her. Uh, TR or something is there like amongst the rubble but yeah just seeing some remnants remnants of them would have been interesting but mm-hmm. yeah I feel like that even having it earlier before he sees Flash would have been a better setup and you could have made that connection more easily yeah. but that's who the character was so yeah yeah like you said yeah. pacing is just like we're all hyped and ready to get over to the fight but let's let's take a couple minutes with Wonder Woman to open her email. yeah I think another meta thing, though, is in, in support of Snyder and the bullshit they probably had to deal with. Mm-hmm. At least you see them in action and not just like them talking about it or whatever. Because right. like at this time, Wonder, there was no Wonder Woman movie. There's no Aquaman movie. Right. There's no Justice League yet. So mm-hmm. so 
you at least see the Flash do Flash powers. You get to see Momoa underwater with a fucking trident yep. and Wonder Woman doing her thing. So that can help cement this idea in people's heads in the theater and just like it's a marketing thing as well. You know, people did make fun of it. It's like, is this a marketing front of the next movie, you know, with preview? Mm-hmm. But at least, again, meta as hell, but it it helped those actors out, you know. Momoa, mm-hmm. Momoa, by the way, talks about being basically broke until he was in Game of Thrones. And he mm-hmm. was in Stargate. Maybe he was bad with money. I don't know. But he was, Maybe. <laughs> he was in Stargate and shit like that. He was not, didn't really have a whole lot of money until yeah. recent years. So, mm-hmm. yeah. He has Game I don't of know. Thing. I'm just trying to think of the positives here, guys. Hey, <laughs> at least at least they didn't do the stupid shit that they did in Suicide Squad or it was like a video game like uh whenever you talked about each character like their uh stat, name stat Arthur Curry it was just like, yeah just this kind of like still frame like image of them doing something oh I hated that so at least it's not like that right not mm-hmm. that right. level mm-hmm. of badness right yeah yeah so for me personally I didn't have a problem with it being emails so much as the fact that it was placement wise it just ruined the pacing to lead up to the big fight if again if they had been in Batcave earlier it would have excused it or if it was a post credit scene you know, if Batman takes Wonder Woman to the Batcave, that's true. Shows the stuff, and then he's like, "Help me find the others like you," and that's the last scene of the movie. Then Nolan, that would have been cool too. Nolan says he hates post-credit scenes, and this yeah, is produced by that. Nolan, so yeah. like maybe that's a that was, yeah. But yeah. I don't know how much of a how much of a creative say Nolan had in this. Right, one. <laughs> dude. I don't know, man. I'm yeah. Anyway. Uh, next tidbit is according to Snyder his vision of Aquaman was that this version of Arthur had been training with his mother's uh, trident with Volko uh, because remember it was Snyder who cast William Dafoe as Volko not James Wan he he had cast William Dafoe beforehand as well as Amber Heard as Mira Um, so Arthur had trained with his mother's trident with Volko but would always give it back he never wanted to keep it he wasn't ready to take up the real mantle at this point in time so that's a little bit of the thing from Snyder's. This is the five point, five point trident to it. This is the Quindent. Uh, right, because point. he's not ready. For, he's not ready for the trident until he gets to the James Wan's Aquaman movie. That's right. So. That's right. Subtle changes there going on. Yeah. So I think it's time that we dive into the many points of the Batman versus Superman fight. I don't have tidbits here because it's one after the other after the other here. So here we go. First criticism. Why doesn't Superman just talk to Batman or fly him up and tell him what the situation is that his mother, Martha, has been kidnapped? He could have easily flown him up and lifted him up, is the criticism. Why does this have to be a fight? Snyder would obviously say that it does have to be a fight because it's fucking Batman versus yeah. Superman. But uh, in terms of the internal logic of the story, though, people would say, like, why doesn't Superman at least try to do that to explain it to, to Bruce? So... How do you guys feel about that? Do you agree with that, or do you think, like, eh, it's a small thing? I agree with that criticism. They're just fighting over whose weenie's bigger at that point. <laughs> like, steering each other is down. Winky. Yeah. Who has the bigger dick splash? <laughs> That's right. The bigger dick yeah, who's splash. who's Winky? Oh, it's, yeah, Mine like is. you said. We said earlier, uh, they could have, lots of movies, issues could have just been solved with people communicating. Yeah, he could have. <laughs> Super speed, just be like, they got my mom, I gotta get, uh, you know, I gotta save her. Even if he had said that, and Batman's like, I don't trust your ass, you know, that would have been something that, Mm -hmm. you know, Superman at least made the attempt to get through to Bruce, and then we could have seen that Bruce is just, like, so far gone and in his head at this point that he's, like, he doesn't want to hear anything that Superman has to say. 
I think that would have been better. But no, we agree. the way we see it, Superman just seems like inept at human communication and is just Bruce, like, don't do this. <laughs> you yeah. gotta listen to me. <sighs> Andrew? Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm, I think I'm pretty much leaning towards critics, but just to... Mm-hmm. He flies up to him. Let's have a little recap here. He flies yeah. up to him, and Superman is thinking, "What at this point? Like, what is he trying to tell?" Either Bruce? he has to talk. He either has to tell Bruce, talk Bruce out of this, or he has to kill Bruce in order for Lex to release Martha. Okay, so remember he that's thinks, what he says in the taxi. Oh yeah, because Lex is like controlling. Yeah, controlling the yeah. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, it would have been cool to have him, like, his first move is a push, pushes him back really far, which is like, why is Superman doing that, for one? Yeah. Uh, you know, it feels like Batman's the one that's angry. Should have been mm-hmm. Batman to throw the first punch, to be honest with you. Superman mm-hmm. literally does the first first move in this whole fight. Uh, on top of that, he should have, like, yeah, it's not, it would be kind of cool if he, like, hugged, like, hugged him, but, you know. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> Give him a big hug and then a big kiss. No, like take him up into space or near space, and then he brings out the kryptonite or the, one of the one of the you know the kryptonite mm-hmm. grenades, and he falls down, which is going to be a far, far ass fall. But then you know opens up the bat cape or whatever, and then is able to kind of hang glide down. Mm-hmm. That would be yeah. a cool cool little sequence. So Superman already tried that. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Uh, so. Even this, uh, you know, is a little muddled in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, critics, I guess. There's a lot about yes. the fight that's obviously s- good with Snyder, but not this part. Right, right, right. right. Uh, yeah, I think this is an absolutely legitimate problem with this scene is that Superman, Superman's attempts to get through to Bruce are pretty dismal and they're pretty weak uh, in a way. Again, like right after you know, like you don't understand, Batman's like, I understand. Like literally just grab him, lift him up and be like, they, they, they're they trying to kill my mom. Now if Batman still doesn't listen to him, then at least Superman tried. But the problem is we didn't even get that attempt. Right. It's literally just like, Bruce you gotta talk to, you gotta listen. And then suddenly they're just gonna fight because Superman's just like, well I tried for like two seconds. You know. Is Snyder's <laughs> thinking here though? Snyder's thinking here though is that Superman is too mad at him for the you know judge jury executioner shit he's been like how Clark's been mad at Maybe. the Batman is that the yeah. thinking though even if Slander's wrong like it, yeah but it's muddled because then it's just like why did why isn't the fight about that and not about Martha it, yeah it changes at that point right because his mother's involved so yeah it's it's I don't know I just it's muddled, yeah. I don't whole know, branding guys. thing not make sense doesn't it Andrew <laughs> it just really doesn't <laughs> darkness. Uh, I guess I do have a tidbit, actually. Uh, before the scene, Superman was going to try to find Martha himself. There was going to be... Uh, there's a scene that I don't think was shot, because it's not in the Ultimate Edition, because they would have added that in. But Superman tries to find Martha himself, and you hear all the cries of people who need help, but he has to ignore all of them, and he still can't find her. So, that sounds depressing as fuck, but like that actually was meant to be in there. Uh, I don't think we needed it. I think that it's pretty... It was pretty extreme to have Superman be like, no one stays good in this world beforehand anyway. <laughs> so uh, having he- hearing him basically have to ignore the cries for help at the same time probably would have been... It would have given us another Snyder versus Critic scene. Let's go yeah. about that. I'm sure that would have been controversial. Right. Uh, Snyder, eight, Critic's 18. Yeah. Um, what was the whole okay. point of Lex trying to set up 
Clark against the idea of Batman if he's just going to use his mother as collateral to exactly exactly yeah I agree um okay well Snyder 8 critics 18 however I do have to give here's something that I think should be an automatic point to Snyder the Dark Knight Returns armor suit oh, hell yeah. brought to life oh yeah that's yes. true yeah that was that's Snyder true. yeah like that is pretty much and it's got the lenses we forgot about yes. uh, a lot of times it's, that's overlooked that uh, I, Affleck does wear the lenses with that. I want to call back everybody. Go to the backlog. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but uh, AJ Catalano Torres we interviewed. He made the motherfucking lenses. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. He's a Amazing. he's a kind of a lighting specialist. At the time, if you mm-hmm. listen to that episode, he said, "I'm making lights for a suit right now." It was for Shazam. That's that's declassified now. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he made the Shazam light suit. He didn't do Tron, I think, but he's like a s- lighting guy. That's like his thing. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty cool little niche he's got going on. Niche, yes. whatever pronunciation you prefer. Yes. All right, Snyder 9, Critics 18. <laughs> Snyder is 50% behind. We'll see what we can do. Uh, okay, so next criticism. Why, with all the technology at his disposal, would Batman build a spear? Is the uh, criticism... Snyder posted. It's epic as fuck. It's straight up biblical, baby. It is. It is, actually. Uh, Snyder said, here's why, and literally posted a picture of Jesus getting speared while on the cross. I'm uh, telling you, it seeps in. It seeps in, Yeah. Uh, So that is, uh, where do you fall on that? Do you think that that's a lame explanation, or do you think that's fine? Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> it does look cool as hell, and I—if you hadn't mentioned the whole Jesus thing, I—I I would have just assumed he's like he just did three hundred before this, so he's thinking mm-hmm. like I want you know Batman to look like one of the warriors with a spear. Uh, but yeah, the tonight you died in hell, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the whole again comparing Superman to Jesus is like I don't know. That's a little tired to me. I don't like the Christ metaphor for him anyways, but it just, it does look really cool. I, and then I'm thinking, well, what if Batman, as he has done in the comics before, had a gun with a kryptonite bullet in it? Then we would be arguing over, oh, great, Batman shooting somebody else. Now, if, <laughs> I mean, if, he does if, already in this, but Exactly. <laughs> if, if this Batman had not killed, and if this Batman had not used guns already or had some form of a gun on him, I think it would have been really powerful for him to have a handgun with kryptonite bullets in it, like he's ready to use something that he despises and hates mm-hmm. against this against Superman. And I don't know, I think that could have been really cool, but in this case, not so much because, again, we've had the whole talk over him using guns for other reasons and his machine guns on his Batmobile, so he's obviously pretty comfortable with them. Uh, right. But yeah, the spear does look really cool. Logically, though, it's like probably not the best <laughs> weapon to to get the kryptonite into Superman's system. As in the well, keep in mind, he still does those bombs. He does have those bombs. That's not the only kryptonite. That's pretty has. damn cool. I don't understand why that doesn't kill Superman, but yeah, I don't know. I'm going to give it to Snyder because it looks cool. Yep. Andrew? Also Snyder. I think that you already got it kind of explained in the mythos that Batman's got a flair for the dramatic. I know that was a fucking uh, Nolan thing, but that's mm-hmm. a Batman thing. And I think that a spear is dramatic and 
it's a cool visual and i don't like the jesus thing uh it is tired like he said uh but mm-hmm. uh other than that i mean we've already seen him be stabbed and superman returns and if it was a gun it'd be one more gun so it's like at least it varies it up and Mm-hmm. It's just it's just like somebody trying to really stab somebody with a spear is a penetration. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> very, very visceral, visu- <laughs> very visceral visual as well. So it, it it gives it just seems like he just really wants to kill that motherfucker. So yep. I don't know. I give this one to Snyder. It's not a big deal to me. Yeah, yeah. I give this one to Snyder too. It never really bumped me uh, until people pointed it out, and I'm just like, I guess, but like it's. Batman's supposed to be out of character in this anyway, in terms of the point where he's he wants to kill Superman. So, you know, I, I'm I'm not bumped by the fact that he chooses a spear over some other ways to get the kryptonite. That's the least of the the problems here. So, Snyder ten, critics eighteen. All right. Yep. Next part, uh, the Batman vs. Superman fight was criticized for being too short for a movie called Batman vs. Superman. In the screen rant pitch meeting, they said uh, they're going to fight for two minutes uh, I think it's a little longer <laughs> than that but, or five minutes longer or something but it's five, it's, they say something like that but that, that's kind of the criticism that uh, <gasps> the fight was too short actually uh, on this but where do you guys stand on that oh, yeah I guess it could have been a little bit longer if they didn't call the movie Batman versus Superman then it would not have built up those expectations but I don't know. They are trying to fit so much story into one movie that I guess they couldn't spend like 30 minutes fighting. Maybe it could have stretched out over a bigger span of area. Mm -hmm. I'm not a super, this is going off topic a little bit, but I'm not super familiar with like the Rocky movies and other fighting movies. Do those fights generally go on for the, an extended amount of time? I feel like they're, I don't know, usually kind of short. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, usually they're the finale, though. This is, like, towards the end of the second act. We still got 30 minutes after <laughs> left after right. this, if you're in the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll give this one to Snyder, because I feel like if it was any longer, then people would have complained about that and said, <laughs> like, oh, right. they're, they're fighting too long and all this stuff. I mean, I, to me, this is, like, my favorite part of the movie. I, I don't have any oh, really? complaints over the actual fight. I feel like I was pretty, you know, into it at that point. And we'll we'll get into it with part four, but I think the ending kind of surprised me because I I was thinking this was going to be like the finale of the movie. Right, right. Andrew it needs to be longer. I I I mean, really? I've said before, I like the Matrix one because you got like twenty minutes of shooting bullets. They run out of fucking bullets, and then they fight hand to hand for another twenty goddamn minutes. I mm-hmm. need that in every action movie I see ever. okay i'm I'm almost not exaggerating Uh, i mean i just i like it when it's i feel like you just get more value out of that movie like i mean it was also just one too you know like if it's batman vs superman you need to have him like fight in the beginning of the second act and then fight have a bigger fight at the third act but this one it's just like what this is like a fight at the end of the second act and the second act yeah end of the second act so it's just not enough just one fucking fight are you kidding me i need some john woo in that motherfucker man this is too much this is like not enough uh you know it, 
<laughs> when I was growing up, I wanted John Woo to do the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Was, I had some fixation on that for some reason. Well, his action's, <laughs> his action's so good. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, not that it needs to be Dragon Ball, but, like, I, I'd like... I like, personally, just my personal opinion, I like long fight scenes. Um, I mean, so... Uh, they're just fun, and I, I, yeah, I agree with this. I, I think it's way too short, and, and and there's only one of them. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Took him a long time to make that robot suit. Now you know he's got <laughs> to get all his money's worth out of it. At least we extend more into having a fight between the warehouse fight scene, and then we get yeah. the doomsday scene. So at doomsday least there's stuff, three yeah. big. There's one at the end of the second act, and there's two big ones in the third act. So at least we yep. get that. But in a movie called Batman vs Superman. You kind of, ex- at least I expected, like, some Con Air face-off face off shit where it's like, maybe I'm too much of a 90s kid, but just, like, more than one, you know? Mm. I think he should have tried to fight him back when he rammed into him with the Batmobile. Yeah, what the, the fuck is Superman, Superman could have just, like, thumped him a little, and that, that sparked the rage in Batman. He's like, oh, shit, I got to make You wouldn't give me your insurance information. Should have shot his grappling hook <laughs> at his leg, and then he gets flown up with him, and then... They start. I don't know, man. Just something crazy there should have happened. Yeah, yeah but he doesn't have the kryptonite yet. He would be destroyed. Well, <laughs> should have had the kryptonite somehow. Was, uh, at that point, you could have seen it was an uneven fight. So that would have been like interesting to see how Batman, I guess, maneuvered against someone like Superman, who's that probably coming cool. back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superman yeah, holding back because he doesn't, cool. doesn't want to kill him. Superman doesn't want to kill him, and Batman wants to kill him. So, like, it. I don't know, man. It just one little fucking. But he's not able to fight scene at the end. I'm sorry. I know I've belabored this point, but man. Critics. All right. So Zach says Snyder. Andrew <laughs> says critics. It's up to me to be the tiebreaker. I'm going to outvote you, Andrew, and go with Snyder on this one because of the Boom. fact because of the fact that uh, this is a fight based off of the fact that it it's – I don't know what best to say. It, it's basically ill intentions. It's like it's they're not really fighting based off of – like we don't genuinely want them to fight, really. Lex is only manipulating it so that they do fight. They're not supposed to. We don't. It's it's almost like we don't want them to, even though it's called Batman versus Superman. But I would argue the title of the movie is Batman versus Superman. The reason why there's no S on it was because the V is supposed to be how they do for court cases. Uh, it's supposed to be yeah. Batman versus Superman in terms of their conflict in general, not just a fight. Uh, on here and so for me I, I don't think I needed a longer fight especially under these pretenses where they're not supposed to be like Lex is manipulating the situation on here it's, it's supposed to be how they get out of this uh, and how Batman turns around on there so I was completely fine uh, with the length of it I was just more impressed by the fact that you know it's the fucking Dark Knight Returns Batman outfit you know and, and him fighting Superman through that but of, of course it, at some point it needs to end and for these two to team up because we got a Justice League movie uh, coming up I don't need a lot of fights with the two of them. Uh, I think could it have been better done when it comes to the previous plot point we talked about? Sure, but uh, when it comes to the length of the fight, I didn't have any problems with it. So Snyder eleven critics eighteen. Snyder is catching up on here. Just would be cool to have him like, you know, do his detective work while fighting him in an earlier scene, or I don't know. That's true. Some, too. He'd never. He's, seems he's to studying. Kick. He's, yeah, he studies Superman's moves and the different powers he has, and so it was like those are the weaknesses that he never he's not going to see this coming because he's not used to fighting. Well, his this is lenses how he fought, are his lenses are shooting video while he fights That'd or fucking cool something yeah. like that, you know. And then 
the last fight he's got the most preparation. Like all these other fights were bullshit to him. He was it was mm-hmm. all fucking the planning stage. You know, it's just mm-hmm. what you said makes sense. I don't disagree. I'm just saying mm-hmm. only one, and the one we got is too short. We just we just had mm-hmm. it's just length. I just <laughs> the length is. <laughs> All the compounds of this beer, right, Andrew? <laughs> I like them. I like them. I like them a little bit longer. <laughs> I'm a length queen. Okay. Uh, Snyder, eleven critics, eighteen. One small tidbit is, and I think this is a little, this is somewhat clear, but just in case, uh, his mask, Batman's mask, starts breaking up, and you see more of Bruce's face. This is supposed to symbolize him sort of becoming undone and eventually regaining his humanity because of the fact that you see more of his human face on there. So that is a deliberate thing that is not in The Dark Knight Returns, I don't think. Instead, I think his mask breaks and then he's just unmasked uh, without the helmet in The Dark Knight Returns thing. It's, but I don't think much of the visual is in there, or maybe I'm wrong with that, Zach. I don't know. Well, number one, that that part is badass. I've really wanted to draw like him before. I haven't done it yet, but him with that green lighting on his face with like part of the helmet broken away. Uh, and it looks like his mask is underneath it. It looks like there's another layer that's been ripped, like his actual right. owl was underneath there. But I think in the comic, it gets damaged, like it gets cracked or something happens where he can't see out of it. And yeah. that's when he just takes it off. I feel like Superman yeah. kind of like yeah. punches it. So Bruce just ends up taking it off. Yeah, I don't think he spends a long time with a broken thing. It's just no. once it's broken, he's just off. And then you see him unmasked for the rest of the fight. Yeah. Uh, in it so they went with a different route on it uh okay let's get to the biggest controversial thing to close out this episode for the batman versus superman fight martha (laughs) so critics thought this was ridiculous and lame that it all stops because (laughs) of the fact that their moms have the same name and it that's all it took for batman to stop basically trying to kill him and be his best friend next however Snyder has to this day is still uh, arguing arguing for and defending it. It's meant to symbolize that Batman is becoming what he fought against, becoming the thing that he killed his parents when he's about to do the spear on Superman. Uh, and in discovering the fact that he is almost turning into the murderer of his parents and discovering the fact that blinded by hatred, quote unquote, has he become the thing that he hates, he rediscovers his humanity and sort of uh, seeks to redeem himself. And that sort of sets up the relationship between him and Clark. Uh, on here and that's the whole point of the Martha scene as well as the fact that it's supposed to be about our connection to each other as human beings the idea that uh, we all have mothers that our mothers have the same name that we are connected and all that that is the that is the intention of that so this is probably one of the most hotly debated topics when it comes to this movie in terms of where you side uh, on that do you side with the critics and thinking that that's you know, a joke to be parodied, or do you side with Snyder in feeling like there's a good emotional backbone through line to that? Zach. All right. I've gotten into arguments <laughs> with people before on Instagram about this, so oh, okay. I'm going to do a compliment sandwich. Uh, I'm going to say, <laughs> number one, that I really, <laughs> I really like that uh, line of Bruce's when he swings Superman around by that grappling hook about how he bets his parents told him that he was special and mm-hmm. he was going to, you know, save people or, you know, be whatever. And he's like, my parents taught me a lesson too for by dying in the gutter for no reason at all. I was like, mm-hmm. that line, I really liked it when I saw the movie the first time. Um, yeah. 
little did he know so that the Dark Knight Returns Coster, yeah. yeah, little did he know that Kevin Costner was a little more amoral about <laughs> but I really like that scene uh, and that line that came from you know Batfleck uh, but no I don't think that was the just saying Martha was a good idea it's like we talked about earlier in the episode or I think it might have been part one what Andrew mm-hmm. mentioned and I think I've mentioned it before too that it could have just been rewording you could have just said the word like you know you have to say my mother or just something like that like him finally getting out what he should have said to batman from the very beginning i just think mm-hmm. the fact of their moms having the same name is kind of silly i i don't know it just doesn't seem like it, it was is comic accurate <laughs> yes but i don't think it'd be like that organic or something like i don't call mm-hmm. my mom by her first name very much and i know he's trying to say like you need to save like Martha so that Batman knows who to go get but he could have said like Martha Kent or you know you need to save my my mother Martha you know that would have been totally fine I think it's just the word Martha it just seems kind of just weird and a little convoluted uh I don't like it personally I think that's I don't know if I noticed it the first time I watched the movie and how odd it struck me but after I saw everybody saying that and I watched it again I was like yeah that is kind of weird that he just says Martha and then Batman's like, wait my mom's name is Martha too and right. I don't know that was um, I don't think that was the best route to go as far as being the motivation for the fight ending and Batman regaining his humanity but I do I mean I do like it after that that Batman finally realizes how uh, how much of a villain he has become and how terrible he's become so that's my compliment sandwich I liked how it <laughs> ended and and you know all that. I just think the Martha thing is silly. Andrew, when I saw it in the theater, it was very jarring. Uh, it just felt so weak. Like this, this just felt like. Oh, I knew immediately people were going to make fun of this the second that I saw it. Um, so, and then when I rewatched it, though, like I said in the first episode of of, of this series that we're doing. It does play a lot better. I, I, I'm actually surprised at my reaction mm-hmm. to this scene. I, I, I couldn't believe, like, am I coming around on this? Maybe I, it's because you saw it coming this time? Yeah, because I saw it coming, maybe. Huh? It, 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 it's just... It's a good idea, but execution is really poor. It, it should be more like... I don't know, how do you guys feel about this, but there should be maybe more of a setup with Batman's character where he says like something like, well, they call him Superman. But I don't know if he's human, you know, something like that right. where he's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go, you know, you're, you're going to go kill a man as Alfred says that. And then he's like, well, I'm not sure if he is one or some line like that, yeah, you know, yeah. where he's like, you know, he, he we're, li- we're living in this world in this movie where we haven't seen this before. So he does. So Batman doesn't know. And he's too he's too drugged up to know. No, I don't know. But <laughs> he, so then, Give then, me that then the character arc of humanizing Superman, you know, learns that he has a mother, would maybe work for Batman a little bit more because how it plays mm-hmm. in this, it's just like, oh, I guess you have a mother, so that changes everything I think about you. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's it's just like so quick and shallow in a way, I guess, and. Again, right. like I said in the first episode, it's the wording from Superman as well, because he just says Martha out of nowhere. It should have been like my mother, 
please go save my mother. I should have told you this to begin with, but please go save my mother. <laughs> right. But her name is Martha. And then you have the change at least, you know. If you made like these changes, I think it would have played a lot better, but how it plays in the movie in both versions. I just no sir, I don't like it. He, he could have <laughs> so. even said uh, Lex is going, you know, Lex, they've got my mother. They're going to kill my mother. And then they could have had Bruce having those flashbacks to that uh, Joe Chill shooting like his mom mm -hmm. and her falling. That would have been, I feel like, really powerful because then he's saying he in his brain, he's like he is empathizing with Superman at that point. Right. And right. that would have been better than him being like, Martha, hmm, that's my mom's name. It just... The name thing, I guess, just throws it. <laughs> Why should her, him learning that he has a mother just change his opinion about him entirely in this moment? It makes Batman seem very superficial, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you have what? a mom, too. Yeah, why, I mean, why is he... And so it totally is like, I also have a mother. Please do not kill me with a mother the with the same. So he can relate to him more because he knows his mother... I think it, I think it's basically because of the names. It, I think it's more of what Snyder said about the fact that he saw he didn't see this guy as a human until he mentioned that. And it wasn't set up that way, though. I feel like agreed, agreed. You know? Very that. Well known. So yeah, uh, God, you know, I, I like I said, it plays it played a lot better for me the second time around, but it's mm -hmm. still not a pass. Okay, so critics for critics. you as well. Yeah, okay. I mean, sadly, I mean, but you know, yeah. I'm going to go with critics still. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with critics as well, but also just kind of added, and I don't want to just repeat what you guys said, but I, I think there are some defenders who say that, like, well, maybe he says Martha because off of his investigative journalism skills, he knows that Bruce Wayne's mom is named that, and he uses that tactically. I was like, nope. there's no indication that Clark even knows anything about Bruce other than calling him Bruce. Uh, it's never indicated that he ever investigated Bruce to know his parents' names to even do that as a tactical move. Uh, so it's kind of, I feel like that's a stretch to say that that's to justify why he says it in that way Yeah. on there. Stretch. Like uh, yeah. Uh, I also think it'd be more effective if, as Andrew said in a previous uh, episode, if this was Batman's first kill and he's about to do it and he stops himself because he realizes, you know, in that moment what he's about to do. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's what stops him. And then the Martha thing is more of a cherry on top not necessarily what stops him, but is the thing that sort of cements it further, mm -hmm. where it's more of a footnote rather than the main cause, the main catalyst yeah. on it. Because I, honestly, I do like the use of the fact that DC Comics writers got lazy in about the 50s or so when they first revealed mm -hmm. that these were the names <laughs> uh, and gave these two, the two biggest DC superheroes, the same names for their moms. And I like that Snyder was just like, why don't we use it as a plot point? I do appreciate that in a way. I just think that, as you said, it comes off too ridiculous to be like, your mom's name is the same name as my mom's name. But if it's less of a, if there's less emphasis on that, if there's more of a, like, an additional thing, he's already in there. Because I do like Amy Adams coming in there and, and saying, like, you know, it's his mother's name on top of that. I think people don't actually make fun of that part. They make fun of the, you know, why did you say that name and the whole Martha yeah. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. They don't make fun of Lois Lane going in there. Yeah. So I would say if you make that more of a footnote, you get the same idea across, uh, but it's it's not as distracting. So I, I'd say the biggest problem is with these things that are often criticized for Snyder's movies, whether it's the next snap of Zod or uh, the jar of pee or with Martha here. We are so, we're so distracted by how it's executed that we don't really have time to appreciate the intention yeah. behind it. 
So if you just change the execution to clarify that intention, we can better appreciate the intention. Is mm-hmm. my argument on that. Anyway, if you we're combine, if, if you can, sorry, one second. If you combine those yeah. lines, maybe again, just thinking of our head canning writing now. Now that we're in this flow yeah. right now, this conversation, mm-hmm. like if he said, like if Alfred tells Bruce, "You're going to cross that line or whatever," you've never killed anyone before, and he's like, he, maybe he says some line that that gives off the idea, well, well, I'm still not crossing that line because he's not human. Yeah. If they set yeah. that up in some way, yeah. You know, that could have played a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't know that he's Clark Kent. He doesn't know all these different aspects. He just thinks that he's an alien, that type of stuff. Uh, and that could speak a lot to, you know, not to make this too real, real world, but speak a lot to like you general know, bigotry and xenophobia and that type of stuff. Not that we want to see Batman being like that, but just the idea that we kind of all have these sorts of prejudices and, and that there's a way through by just recognizing that we're all human beings. Oh, dude, not, be, to, not know. to make it too, too deep, but a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people that, well, I don't want to say a lot, but from what I've heard and other sources, you know, it's common for, armies of one country to dehumanize the people exactly. of another country to exactly. to handle the PTSD yeah. like mm-hmm. I didn't it's fucked up but it's like I didn't kill a human like I've, I've heard right. I've heard of stuff like that so mm-hmm. like yeah. maybe you could put that whole kind of thing mm-hmm. in Batman's very angry thinking as well he's also an actual alien in the story so right so yeah yeah it's, it's it all that, that all could work yeah Snyder 11, Critics 19. We're going to wrap part three with this and go into part four with the rest of the movie. So that is superhero stuff you should know. Yeah, brother. So we have a few fan comments that I wanted to address. One of these comes from uh, two comments, actually, from uh, David Michael Bavin. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong on the pronunciation of that uh you had two comments here uh one of which uh, andrew responded back to uh, that was on our account twas i yes uh he says guys there was no choice but to kill zod the phantom zone was gone there was no mention of kryptonite nowhere for him to be held or stop him from killing people again which andrew i believe you argued that like that's only because the writer gave them those circumstances uh, yeah you know responding like he he listed these conditions it's like well yeah he would have to kill him with those conditions but again like we said in that episode if the writer is God of the world that he or she mm-hmm. writes and you don't have to write those conditions, you could have changed mm-hmm. it from the get go. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just, it's just like, it just feels like people write in these conditions in this case, Goyer um, and Snyder, where they just really trying to set it up to where it gets to the super dark place. And how necessary do we need to, is it, how necessary is it to get to that dark place? You know, right, like right. Why, how mm-hmm. dark do you want to take it? Why with Superman? It, it, it's Snyder's thing. He loves making it this dark. So artistic choice, but right. wasn't for me. And mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of other people. Right. Uh, the other comment he said was, quote, he chooses humanity and saves billions in the future. Can't contain or reform a maniac. Uh, funny thing, David, I don't think I disagree with you at all. I don't think I deny any thing that you said in there I never I don't think we ever talked about there being an alternative to killing Zod in that exact moment when he's trying to um, kill the family in the subway you know uh, I brought up other people's arguments that he could have covered the, the heat vision but uh, in that moment yeah I do believe 
that he would have to do that in order to save humanity and make that choice. What my problem was wasn't necessarily the next step. As I said, my problem was a similar issue that I brought up earlier in this episode where there is a, a payoff of no setup. You have uh, suddenly there's something to do with Superman's morality and his attitude about killing, even though there's been no discussion about it whatsoever throughout the rest of the movie. And that prevents it from being uh, dramatic and it prevents it from having an impact when Clark doesn't really have a connection or any sort of emotional connection to Zod uh, in the story to make that a difficult dramatic choice for him. Uh, otherwise, it kind of just feels like he has to take out a bad guy in order to protect innocence. Okay, I get that, but it's a lot more dramatic when he has to take out the last of his kind. And I get that that was the intention, but I feel like it doesn't come across because of the fact that it that it's not properly set up earlier uh, on those things to show that connection between Superman and Zod, as opposed to just the antagonistic connection that they have earlier, or to show that Superman has any sort of morality to be challenged in this. Like the whole the reason why Nolan's Dark Knight gets uh, basically praised a lot was how much they played around with Batman's morality. Yes, he still kills Harvey Dent at the end, and I have problems with that, but my main problem with that is that they don't they don't they basically should have done what Man of Steel should have done if we combine them, make a whole movie about the morality, then challenge that at the end and give him that one time where he has to break that rule in order to save an innocent person, make that dramatic, and then deal with the consequences of that. Um, it feels like we didn't really get that setup like we did with uh, Batman in the Dark Knight, though obviously in the Dark Knight they didn't really play around that much with him killing Two-Face at the end, which is a whole other problem entirely, but what I'm saying is that if we were to take similar setups beforehand, uh, that would be a more dramatic choice uh, for the ending. But yeah, as I said, look, I, I don't disagree with you at all uh, on those choices, on the, on the fact that he would have to kill Zod in order to save Billions of the future, and I would expect Superman to do that too. Uh, as I said, like we don't have the common arguments against the uh, the issues with the movie. We have very sort of unusual uh, reasons behind it. So anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, I hope you've been enjoying the episodes. Yes, Next thank comment. you. I wonder if it's a uh, French babon. Oh, maybe. I wonder. I wonder. Feel free. Let to, us feel free to correct us. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, Asperger's Web is the username for this person. Uh, <laughs> he says, "Quote." Fuck, that Sam Ham script was amazing. He was talking about our uh, the Batman script from 1982, Deep Dive, where I also covered the Sam Ham script. Uh, he said, quote, that could have been legit one of the best Batman movies ever. The actual 89 movie is whack. In the Sam Ham script, we get a movie that actually focuses on Bruce Wayne. It gives Bruce an arc. He doesn't kill. Uh, I mean, technically he does. He still blows up Joker's goons at the end. But anyway, uh, oh, Joker man. is cool. No stupid Joker killing the Waynes, and they organically weave Robin into it. Fuck, why couldn't they have made this? Um, I do agree with you, Asperger's Web, that uh, I do like the Sam Ham script better than the actual movie. It is difficult for me to picture that script, though, with the same cast, as I said in that episode. Uh, but it does give me hope when Sam Ham himself uh, is doing the Batman 89 continuation because of the fact that I, I love his writing and I never thought that I would see him continue or go back to the character, especially this iteration of the character. So, you know, we'll see. I, I would love it if they expand more on the characterization and the depth and the themes of Burton's world because we know they sure as hell got the visuals down on that. So thank you for that, Asperger's Web. Somebody uh, says 89 Batman is whack, man. <laughs> it's just like Zach does not. Stop <laughs> listening not like... after that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your comment, but yeah. despite whatever faults 89 Batman has, I, I still think it's uh, 
pretty pretty solid all right. overall. <laughs> mm. All right, last one is from Paul Graham, who had a long comment for us on part three of Man of Steel, where he said, I just finished your part three of Man of Steel. I really enjoyed it, as I really love this movie, even with the faults. I think it's a great reimagining and something new rather than the same that's been done before. So just two things I'd like to comment on, the destruction of Metropolis and the image of young Clark in the towel cape. So the destruction of Metropolis, I see it as two superhuman super strength aliens battling it out. If they were on Krypton, they would just be duking it out like humans on Earth, but because they are powerful and desperate to win, Superman to save Earth and Zod to destroy the Earth, the destruction is a result of that power that they both healed, so it's more reckless rather than deliberate. I suppose the destruction is a practical display of just how powerful Kryptonians are. I would agree with that. I also see yeah, it like definitely. Godzilla saving Tokyo from another monster. He defeats the monster but demolishes half of Tokyo in battle and is still considered yeah. a win which is then rebuilt before the next movie to be wrecked again. Pyrrhic victory. Godzilla vs. Kong coming in March. Uh, the <laughs> image of the young Clark with the towel cake, I take this as pure imagery, like a premonition of his destiny as Superman, even though he at that time has no idea of his future. And like you guys said, there were other his heroes in history that wear capes. I really think it's a destiny image for young Clark, and I really like it as it fits in the aesthetics of the movie. Agreed with that too. I liked that moment when I saw it in the trailer. Guys, keep up the good work with these podcasts. I listen on Apple Podcasts while driving to and from work. Thank you very much for that, by the way. I've heard Thank some you. people be like, I would listen. It's just that some some episodes are like an hour and a half long. I'm just like, have you not listened to podcasts before? And also, no one says you have to sit down and listen to the whole thing in one shot General put general all your attention is, into it. General Link's around an hour or a little bit yeah. over an hour. We go over yeah. sometimes, but I mean, a lot of podcasts are about are just under two hours too, so... Yeah, I've heard that before as well. Meanwhile, I look over at like Whitney Cummings' podcast with her like four-hour episode with Kat Dennings. I'm just Whoa. like, okay, yeah. like I, yeah. I'm pretty sure we're at a decent length. Rogan gets um, it to four hours sometimes as well. But that's a whole other level, yeah. of course. I I, yeah. I I like how he says like it's a, it was more reckless and not deliberate. That's how I always read it. But I do feel like yeah, some 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 yeah. fans made it seem like in their criticism they thought that it was deliberate. And it's just like like I said in that episode, Superman's just keeping pace with yeah. Zod, and Zod doesn't give a fuck. So, Some fans flat out say Superman killed those people in Metropolis, and I was like, that's a stretch. Indirectly, he and he didn't want to, but uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. he's trying to save the fucking world at the same time. So, I, mm -hmm. look, yeah, this it's a controversial-ass film, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to your Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Cut podcast. Well, here we are. Uh, and I hope <laughs> that once Snyder's Justice League is seen, you will not only deep dive through the whole four hours of that, but also maybe go through all the changes and comparisons with the Justice League. Perhaps we will. I mean, who knows Perhaps to say? Perhaps we will. Who knows what's yeah. going to happen in this crazy world that we live in? Perhaps we will. Who You'll knows? stay tuned for that. So thank you very much for that. Moving on to Andrew. Whew. Oh, man. Well, thank you for all those comments, for one. And then also thank you to our Patreon supporters, first and foremost. They are Shasta, Leom O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett. And then we'd like to thank our other supporters that support us in other ways such as Sparkageddon, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Ian H, and Walter the Wobot. Woo! Shasta Army. Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. That's the $1 tier that gets you one of them their shoutouts. And then the $5 tier, whole extra show that we uh, plug in this show for... <laughs> A few times an episode, um, but yeah, that we go, we do the deeper dive there. And God, our Patreon 
is like what two hours sometimes like you get like pretty good like it's pretty much the same length as, as these now yeah like it's yeah it's it's a lot and i thank you for your service there ben <laughs> all that all that uh, research exhausted um, yeah it's just, <laughs> it's, it seems like a lot um, but yeah I mean you think this this series the stuff that we do on YouTube and Spotify and stuff is like this main show is is, is deep, deep dive it is a deep dive but it's like you know we, we go over Krypton's moon in, uh, on the Patreon so um, <laughs> and, and, on, and other things of course but it's like pretty deep pretty deep dive there um, and we have all kinds of merch uh, at the Redbubble store superhousepod.com redbubble.com tpublic as well t-e-e public.com slash user slash superhouse podcast 5000 and then threadless superhero stuff pod dot threadless dot com ben man merch indeed wizard merch superhero stuff you should know logo merch mugs shirts all that kind of shit is on there um please leave us a review on itunes and then uh, also would love it if you uh, sent us an audio clip of you saying whatever the fuck, uh, record it on your phone, voice recorder app, and then send that audio clip to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. And then you'll be on the show right there. And then I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter, and also on YouTube as Thunderwolf Lives. Search for me on there, all kinds of shit. Japanese related, my other uh, Japan centric interests are on there video games and sh shit like that uh and uh yeah um that's it for me uh ben uh you can follow us on twitter at superhouse pod and you can also follow us on instagram at superhero stuff pod which is how we uh, met zach uh you can follow my personal instagram at ben Juan Ryder, as well as my son's instagram my cat <laughs> alfie pennyworth cat at instagram uh my also furry, furry son my furry son yes <laughs> Uh, my website is benwanwriter.com where you can read my Gotham spec that I've put up there along with a commentary page uh, that has all the deep dives of all the different Easter eggs and uh, where I was going with it, including deleted scenes uh, on there. So check that out when you can. And there should be links there as well in the description as well as on my website for my channel where as of right now we have a lot of uh, clips from this podcast where I pitch different ideas of different comic book movies along the way. Stay tuned. There's definitely more to come. Uh, and then over to you, Zach. Where can our listeners find you? They probably have found you already, and if not, then shame <laughs> on them. But just to remind them, in case they haven't, where can they find you? They found me, and they've already started to harass me. Oh, you're doing those dances on TikTok. <laughs> no. Catch Zach dancing on TikTok, everybody. Zachary Jackson Brown on TikTok. He's dancing for you. You can okay, so you can find me on Instagram, <laughs> TikTok, YouTube at Zachary Jackson Brown Art, and you can actually see uh, the time lapse video of me working on a portrait of Batfleck on my TikTok. So you can take care of that. And Andrew, I got to tell you, this Day and D guy, I thought for this whole time you were saying Day and D, and I was thinking it was like D and D. And now I know. I found out last episode that this guy's name is Dan D. So Dan D. That's my <laughs> southern accent. Yeah. Dan, Dan D. <laughs> two, like, two syllables on the one syllable there. Dan D. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd tell you that. I thought that was funny. But, yep, Zachary Jackson Brown Art. That's where you guys can find me. Sweet. Sweet. All right. Well, we have one more in terms of Snyder versus Critics, Batman v Superman 
So check it out with us. It might not go the way that you think, or maybe it'll go. I mean, Snyder's pretty far behind, but we'll see <laughs> on that. <laughs> on that, or at least enjoy what we have in store. So thank you very much, and see you next time. Farewell, old friends. What do you? <laughs> Farewell, old friends. Until we meet again. Ha, 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 ha.